1: LeJay is here. Start the radio feed, and uh, let's see, Media Fox, nice to have you. The gorgeous Marie in L.A., nice to have you back. Mennonite Abe dropping a Merle, Awesome, Arlene Adkinsell, welcome back. And, <coughs> excuse me, Ghost Dragon, thank you for joining us. We're caught up. We're caught up. Yeah, you got to see Tim's beautiful, beautiful, stunningly uh, dressed Christmas sweater tonight. It's gorgeous, fantastic, his his beard is looking good, his headphones are charged, hair is high and tight as per usual, that's just the way we love him. Uh, Flash forward, welcome back to the show, gorgeous Donna C, thank you for coming on in, and remember guys, uh, the best way to support this show is a few ways, hit that subscribe button if you're new, ring that bell, so that way you know that we are on seven days a week, the super chat is open. And we got some great swag on our website, spacedoutradio.com. If you want to check that on out, we got some killer, killer swag. Killer swag. All right, we got about uh, 10 seconds here. So let's do me a favor. Hi there, Digger Dog. How are you? It is that time, once again, where we call in Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal to rock us into the show. Do me a favor. Let's get those horns up. Let's rock. Hey, hey, hey. the mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Navy the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and now on TikTok. At Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bubblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. It is a 2021. UFO Year in Review, and what a year it was, and so there is no one better to help break this down for us tonight than Tim McMillan. Tim has been a freelance journalist for the last number of years, going very deep into this subject, probably the first investigative journalist outside of George Knapp to really tackle this subject on a mainstream media level. Tim is one of the creators of the org, which deals in all sorts of technological advancements, including UAP, and the studies around it and he's also a very good friend of this show we uh we like it when tim comes on spaced out radio to hang on out with us and tim it is a pleasure merry christmas to you and your beautiful family and thank you for joining us my friend
2: what is going on dave yes no it is a pleasure to be here you, you're the only person i wake up this early for well, besides my kids but you know you know what i mean
1: well you know what i'm just preparing you for christmas day when santa claus comes <sighs> And the kids are going to go running downstairs, and you and the wife are going to be like, come on, like 10 minutes, 10 more minutes. And they're going to be like, screw you guys. We got some presents to open.
2: This is, this is very true. You're right. And it is coming up in a couple of days. So thank you. I guess I should be thanking you for getting me up this early. But That's what yes, I do. I'll get this coffee in me, and we'll get rolling, man.
1: This and is fun. Absolutely. 2021, Tim, we're just going to jump right into it, was one hell of a year for UFOs. It started off... Actually, a year ago, right now, when Luis Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and and uh, Steve, why is his name? Steve Justice, Justice left the Two of the Stars Academy, really collapsing that organization. And oh. let's start off right there, because even though that was in December 2020, it's still very relevant as to what happened in 2021. What happened there?
2: Sure, yeah, no, I mean, I can give you my opinion there, and I think, um, I don't think it's, I think it's a stretch of an opinion, but but I just want to say that up front, because I don't want anybody, to, there's no insider info here, anybody's gone on the record, but uh, I think you saw at the end of 2020, I think you saw that the efforts of, let's say, Elizondo, Mellon, Steve Justice appears to kind of gone back deep out of the scenes, but uh, Things were continuing to pick up in a pretty serious manner, especially legislatively. So you saw you know, lawmakers on the Hill. This is right before the passage of um, the ODNI report that was required to be produced that I'm sure we'll discuss at some point because that was a 2021 uh, event. Uh, and I think that, honestly, if you want my opinion, I think that as the topic for those individuals continued to go into this very political arena, this very you know, when you're standing in front of Secretaries of Defense and Joint Chiefs of Staff and lawmakers, I think that some of the things (laughs) that Tom DeLonge, amongst the great things that he'd done, I think some of his antics (laughs) probably detracted from that. And I think that probably those guys thought it was best to maybe part ways. But again, that's just (laughs) that's just me throwing it out there. That's me giving my opinion of what happened because at all timed uh, really closely after the election here the presidential election so i think politics had a lot to do with what we saw
1: well i i think so too and and you know one of the things that i've learned since then is that there were a number of warnings that i don't think a lot of the public even even the public on ufo twitter really understands that there were a number of warnings about tom delong's antics that many members of the ttsa gave him over those 2 years whether it was you know putting out fake videos whether it was talking too much whether it was acting rock star when he shouldn't be acting rock star and being a little bit more professional whether it was you know ufos being a bipartisan topic and then you know jumping all over uh president trump at the time and 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 really trying to push towards biden and a lot of people didn't like that you know the treatment of the media especially the alternative media and the ufo field these are some of the things that i was hearing that was going on from very close sources to within this program and i'm sure you heard the exact same thing as well but you know i think it was you know i even though i was never a real ttsa supporter i was rooting for them man I was, sure, and I just sure. I just couldn't grasp my teeth into them.
2: Sure. No, no, I, I think you're absolutely, all of those points I agree with, and I think that, uh, you know, we definitely noticed a, a dramatic change, I would say, in some of the people uh, like Chris Mellon and Luis Lozando in particular when they left the organization. Because I think you hit a very important point there where uh, the media engagement. I think uh, after, especially Lou Elizondo left TTSA, he, would, he went on an impressive world tour junket, <laughs> you know, you might say of all these different media outlets. And in fact, uh, in particular, like you mentioned, independent uh, outlets, uh, just about anybody's podcast, this type of thing. So there was a lot of public engagement, which had not gone on before during the previous years with TTSA. And so, uh, you yeah. I don't know that anybody's come out and said it, at least I haven't heard it, maybe you have, uh, that you know, Lou or any of these people were prohibited from, from engaging yes. with the public and the media. Okay, well then that would make sense. I would say there's enough evidence there that would say it, that definitely suggested there was some kind of control mechanism. And uh, it's all the more reason I think everything you just said I agree with. And I think the fact mm-hmm. that you have to engage the public. You have to... <laughs> You have to.
1: When I had my pre-interview with Lou Elizondo, we first interviewed him back in late February, early March. And when I had my pre-interview phone call with him, like I do with every guest, and I told him that, you know, we had put in 15 requests with the of The Stars <laughs> Academy for interviews and been denied every one, including one where we were asked to provide pre-loaded questions that we had to that we had to go by, he was absolutely stunned by that, stunned and extremely. Uh, what I ca- caught me off guard was extremely apologetic.
2: You Sure. Well, and and as I recall, I think there was plenty of times. Any of the times that I interviewed Chris or Lou, I never went through TTSA. And, and the one time that I was asked to go through them, um, yeah, you know, I flat out said, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> You no, know, that's not I'm not here to do that for that very reason. And so I think uh, if anything else, there was a lot more openness out of some of those kind of key players that people had hoped to be more open, like Elizondo, uh, like Mellon. Uh, I think uh, Steve Justice uh, there, you know, probably left because he saw the writing was on the wall. I honestly haven't heard. It's one of those interesting ones that I'd like to know. Uh, how much he's still involved if he's still involved at least behind the scenes uh, because he was a very significant player if you looked at his background but yeah I I think uh, you know there were definitely a number of problems I would say with TTSA and uh, you know probably very much like yourself anybody who's seen anything I've said on Twitter or seen anything I've said publicly I, I was never a big TTSA fan I was always very critical of. It wasn't the individuals as much as just the organization, I felt. It was sloppy, for lack of a better term.
1: And, and you know what? This isn't going to be a TTSA bashing show. This is all about what sure. happens uh, during during the course of twenty twenty one. Entering it with those uh, three gentlemen: Steve Justice, Chris Mellon, and Luis Elizondo, leaving the TTSA at the beginning of the year. Now, my question to you, uh, Tim, is: What happens to to the Two of the Stars Academy now? Are they out of the UFO field? Because the way Tom still kind of goes on on uh, social media, it's like he's feeling that the TTSA is still a player in this every now and again.
2: You know, and I I find myself often asking that same question. <laughs> and, and you're right, I don't want to bash them. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's fair. And I think that uh, at least to some of the goals that they intended to do and some of the goals that they did do, whether it's release of the videos and, and it's undeniable that a significant attention was brought to the topic when TTSA launched and while it was operating. Uh, I often find myself forgetting that they're still in operation. And that's not, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but uh, I, you know, I don't know what they're doing now. And I think that, again, kind of goes back to, it was difficult to kind of underpin what were they doing <laughs> the years prior. There was a lot going on. You know, They were going to create <laughs> spaceships. They were going to investigate this. They're going to release books. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it seems that a lot of the focus has has been on their fictional stuff now. So the books and right. the movies, I think some of the creative stuff that Tom wants to do. Uh, I don't know beyond that what they're up to. You know, I think the, the more legitimate uh, nonfiction stuff that people are really hungry for, like the release of the Vault uh, app that they've been talking about for some time, the uh, release of any information of the testing of materials, which had been a significant uh, thing that had been discussed that all seems to have died on the vine, and I also don 't know who owned those things i don 't know who owned the app, you know whether it was a ttSA thing uh, i don 't know where those materials are now and, and who 's testing them
1: <laughs> Let me ask you this, and we 're going to move on from this. What was ttsa 's downfall what i don 't want to i don 't think it was solely Tom Delong. I don't think it was it was solely you know the responsibility going on Lou Elizondo's shoulders. In your in your opinion, what was the downfall to this this dream team of ufologists trying to bring disclosure together?
2: Sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, I think part of their downfall, and I'll be honest with you, it's some of my. And, and I get uh, I get lots of crap for for saying it any of the criticisms that I give about uh, bass so Bigelow advanced aerospace going back to all Sab days uh, and it's certainly not to criticize them it's just my my opinion of uh, you know, where I think you can be successful and can't be successful and I think with TtSA has it fell into that same category where it, there's an extremely broad focus that's really not focused on anything. And that was the hardest part with TTSA is at any given day, you didn't really understand what the organization did. Did they release books? Did they release movies? Did they test metamaterials? Did they investigate UAP sightings? Were they lobbying for more UAP disclosure? You know, you can do all of these things, but when you're trying to do them all at once (laughs) and you're a pretty, Small organization, but, you know, by most standards, uh, that's not it's not easy to do. It's the old, uh, you know, you you can you can know a little bit about everything, but be an expert on nothing. And so I think when you try to put too many cooks in the kitchen, you're not going to get a nice, good, big, robust Christmas meal out of this. And I think that was part of the things that was their downfall or very difficult is that they were trying to do too much too fast without ever really narrowing any one singular focus. And I think me personally, <laughs> both being as someone who who runs a media outlet, it's very difficult. If you spread yourself too thin, and you, you know, if I told you that the debrief was going to, we were going to start producing movies next, and we were going to start hosting podcasts and radio shows and all this, there's no way we could do it. <laughs> we'd just be too thin. So I think that uh, there was definitely a lack of focus, and, and people right. found themselves... Often wondering what the heck are they doing
1: oh I <laughs> they didn't Tim, know <laughs> Tim, I agree with you final question before we move on because I want to continue with Lou elizondo the The idea and the aspect that the TtSA was never UFO public friendly how much of that mm-hmm. did that play in their downfall, because one of the things that Elizondo told me both on the telephone and on this show, and I've heard him say it on other podcasts was one, that he felt alienating the UFO crowd like your biggest fans was <laughs> was a real downfall towards what what the success or lack thereof of TTSA was.
2: Sure. I mean, absolutely. Especially when you're, you know, supposed to be a public benefit company and you're, you're supposed to be a public facing company. Uh, you've got to be able to demonstrate w- what is the benefit that you're going to give the public by engaging the public. And I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I think that that plays into anything in life in, in that uh, you're not going to be a successful politician. <laughs> if you don't get to know that your constituents, you don't get to know the people. The people aren't going to like you and they're going to feel alienated. Uh, you're not going to sell clothing brand if you make the people you want to, to buy your clothes feel alienated. And so wholeheartedly, I, you know, it's hard to kind of pin one particular thing that I think. Uh, and it's kind of sad because we're talking about the downfall of them that I, I still believe it is an operation. But for all intents and purposes, it, it appears to be defunct. Uh, that's no slight to them. It kind of If it isn't defunct, it goes back to everything that we're saying is that nobody really knows what's going on. And yet, if you're not telling the people what's going on, and especially with a topic like UAP, where there's such a lack of information and there's so much secret squirrel stuff and there's so much, people fill in those holes where there isn't any information. And sometimes that becomes junk in and junk out. And I think that clutters up the whole topic and keeps it back from where it progresses. You know, That's why it doesn't transition into other areas that are associated with it that people would are really interested in believe are aspects of the phenomena. And they're just talking about, we're still talking about lights in the sky, but there's a lot of junk in and junk out and nobody knows what the heck's going on. So I think if you're going to be a thought leader in that field, you have to engage. You have to be out there. You have to talk to the people. Even if sometimes they're not going to like it, you've got to talk to people.
1: Absolutely. But during that time also, we also saw the rise of Luis Elizondo. He became the face of the franchise. He became the man in front of the camera, the man in front of the media. And, you know, when... when, when he first came out of the gates doing uh, 5001 podcasts out there and radio shows and and everything after he left the To The Stars Academy, he was a little bit robotic. Later on in the year, we've seemed, seemed to have him humanized a little bit. And, and you know, I'm going to take a, a little bit of credit for that because, I mean, I know when I first uh, started to interview him, I've only interviewed him twice, but in those times, the one thing that we really tried to do here was humanize him and and let him know that he had feel people know he had feelings. He, he he's a human being. There are things that he wants to say and things that he doesn't. And I don't know if you ever caught our first interview with him, but right at about the twenty six minute mark of our interview, we actually almost got him talking about how he's seen extraterrestrials. And if you read between the lines, that's exactly what he was saying. Sure. You know, I think, what would happen if Luis Elizondo came out as an experiencer?
2: Uh, You know, it would certainly bring up a lot of uh, credibility to the topic, you know, especially for people who are are really pragmatic, or especially from people that kind of come in the, the world that I report on mostly and that I work from, which is the defense and military world. Because uh, for for any slack that he's gotten in the UFO world or anybody's opinion of him, uh, I can tell you bar none, the opinion inside of the the defense intelligence community and the defense community is extremely high, at extremely high levels. You know, I was always, when I started really digging into his background to figure out who is this guy, you know, suspicious like I think anybody should be if you're going to be good at, at trying to solve a mystery. Uh, I was always impressed or surprised at the level of people who both knew him personally and had a good things to say about it. And so for him to come out and say that, I think that suddenly, you know, it's just life. Is it fair? No. But, uh, you know, you or me can say that we are experiencers or that we have uh, some kind of personal experience that seems extreme to people and people can easily dismiss that. But then when somebody that other people respect or they know their work and professional Uh, work ethic and product they put out comes out and says it. And that's what they know him from first. Suddenly they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, this guy helped capture terrorists. I know that. So for him to say that I trust his opinion. And so I think that that was important. I I agree with you. You know, I think you and I had lots of conversations privately in phone calls and texts before where I said early on to always bear in mind that this is a guy who's coming from a world (laughs) that isn't media. You know, he, he has never done interviews until 2017, and there's a lot of... You know, you know the media world. You know it better than I do. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics to that. And uh, I said, so some of the things that people, I think, get upset with him about, the guy's just not, you know, he's not familiar with how to do this. He's not familiar to how to be genuine and open with it when you've got a TV camera or a microphone in front of you. And unfortunately, I don't think that during his time at TTSA, They never provided him with a good media coach. But I would say wholeheartedly, if you play any part in that...
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
2: Dave, is that I would say, especially towards the end of this year, and I, I said that on Twitter, the the recent interview he did with Tucker Carlson, I thought was the best one I've ever heard him do in those two-minute bites, You know, you got two minutes, here you go. But the way that he handled that questioning uh, was was really good. <laughs> it was exceptional. In fact, I, I asked him, I was like, dude, did you get a media coach? Because I mean, looking at it from a media perspective, he checked all the boxes for me that if I was coaching him, I'd be like, you, you got to make sure you do this, this, and this. You know? And he did a good job with it. But again, I guess it goes back to your overarching point is why you have to make, especially if you're going to start coming out talking about UAP and accept that perhaps you know 50% of the population is going to be dismissive of that, why you have to be good at engaging with the public and good at just, like you said, being a human being, being genuine uh putting a face and name and, and personality behind this where it allows people to get to know you and respect what you're saying.
1: I think that he has really matured in front of the camera and the microphone, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whether or not you agree with his message. I mean, we still have to remember that Luis Elizondo is still very married to uncle Sam than sure. the UFO sure. public. And do you think, as we got about 90 seconds to go here in this segment, do you think that he has been given a free pass? Do you think we've been hard enough on Lou in trying to get some of those um, questions answered?
2: I don't, I mean, I guess it depends on the situation. I would say from certain people, absolutely I've got a free pass. You being one of them, I think that you've been somebody who has, Uh, pointed out things that were valid criticisms in my opinion we've had these discussions so you know maybe off the mic more than on where some of your concerns and some of the things you brought up i think were valid they're questions that have to be asked and answered uh, to where you can feel good about them i know for my part uh, you know since i'm a print media guy a lot of my questions and pressing hard is uh behind the scenes (laughs) so people don't get to see that But, uh, you know, I always treated him and I think he would agree if he was here right now, uh, especially early on, like he was a suspect, you know, going back to my days in policing. You know, it, it was let's get to the truth. Now, have other media outlets been soft on him? Maybe, perhaps, you know, but I think that any times that whether it was you, me or anyone else was hard on him or asked tough questions or said, prove it or, you know, did didn't did their due diligence to validate things in his background? That's what you're supposed to do. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, That's that's the role yes. of what media is. And so I know people get upset about that. Sometimes there can be fan clubs.
1: Tim, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Tim McMillan on Spaced Out Radio, the 2021 UFO Year in Review with the Man from the Debrief dot org. Mister Tim McMillan, we will continue. Right after this on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear, Tim. Remember that we are still live on YouTube. Oh, gotcha. uh, advocate for disclosure. Uh, uh, let me let me say this. Uh, he gave up his benefits, but he is still a general contractor to the United mm-hmm. States government. So he is uh, uh, trying to regain what he had a little bit, maybe in the losses that he took over the three years that he was with the To The Stars Academy. Uh, high sensational, yep. Sherry. And I will be the first one to say, and I've said this on this show uh, very over the last number of months, and I was very highly critical of Lou Elizondo and the entire To The Stars Academy. And I can say this. Look, in the end, a spook is a spook is a spook. But... Sure. Lou has done a great job from what he can do in getting this topic out there. I think he's done it as most honestly as he can and my my attitude towards him has changed. All right? And I and I also went on record the other day that when the NDAA came down and was finalized and ratified, I texted Lou Elizondo and I congratulated him and told him to go have a glass of wine because he likes wine and sitting in front of the fire I said cuz he deserved it and he worked hard for it he really did so my attitude has changed but that doesn't mean as a journalist that we don't that we stop taking their foot off the pedal okay you've given us sure. this but there's a lot you haven't given us man there's a lot you can't right sure. and that's that's kind of what where we're getting at so it's not being negative at all it's a matter of saying okay lou if you if you're going to be the man you gotta you know i mean it's like boxing man just because you win the championship doesn't mean that you don't have to keep fighting
2: sure and i will say i can say bar none you know 100 percent um he definitely made a lot of enemies in the stuff that he said from inside the pentagon People were not happy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he went through a lot uh, to maintain that clearance, which I think some people get mad about or they don't really understand. Oh, yeah. but I think that you, you, you really succinctly said it well. Uh, for people who work in who come from that background, that, that, those security clearances are, are, it's the Willy Wonka golden ticket. You oh, know, yeah. if you lose it, you're screwed. But you always want to try to maintain that. And and I've always told him, I don't begrudge anybody at the end of the day, you you have to make a living. And if this all implodes, you know, if he said, guys, I'm hanging it up and I'm going back to work, you know, as a contractor, the fact that he maintained his clearance would allow him to do that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to like stumble on Lou Elizondo in front of a church somewhere with a cup of money sleeping on the ground because, you know, he gave it all up. I think that he has navigated those waters about as effectively as you could think. And, and, I can say wholeheartedly he went through some shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Inter- internally. It, you know, the government was
1: not happy. Not happy at all. No, and I, I fully agree with you, man. Fully agree with you. And I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. I mean, there were, like, he was, uh, what, what I don't think a lot of people understand was, uh, he was getting death threats from within the Pentagon. You know, sure. right. and he was, he, you know, his, his family, they were talking about ruining his, fa- his family's, his daughter's potential careers. Like he told me point blank that, you know, his daughter was ready to drive a Humvee through the walls of the Pentagon. I'm exaggerating here, obviously, <laughs> Right. but to, to say, leave my dad alone.
2: And you hit on exactly what I was just about to say is that when you talk about humanizing him and getting to know somebody and putting someone else in, your, in perspective of your own life, yeah, I've spoken with his wife before. And, and yeah, here's a man who has, ha- has two daughters, you know, college age, uh, a wife. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to go through and, and a lot of kind of risk. And, and it's, a, well, it's a testament to his family. And I think it's a testament to them uh, trusting what he's saying. And trusting that, you know, their dad, because they're willing to, just like you said, drive a Humvee through the Pentagon proverbially there instead of coming out and saying, yeah, my dad's a nutbag, you know, don't lump me in with him. But they stood by him. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge, uh, I'd say he went through a lot of shit, probably still does.
1: (laughs) Very true. we got about 40 seconds here, Tim. Uh, Preston Padgett, welcome to the channel. And I want to say a big thank you to both Thomas Fessler and Flash Forward for kicking off the Super Chats tonight. The Super Chat Mm -hmm. is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And man, do we ever appreciate your love and support of this show. And of course if you're brand new here, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Ring the bell. We are here seven days a week. All of our archives are free. We do everything for free for you guys. And if you want to support us, a great way to do that is go to our store at spacedoutradio.com and check it on out. Thank you to all the veterans tuning in. Here we go with the Second half hour. Here we go with the second half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's the year in review of UFOs in 2021. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading up on Shirky Pooh's Newswire, checking out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From the thedebrief.org, Tim McMillan is here. He's one of the top journalists when it comes to covering the subject of UAP, UFOs, disclosure. And Tim, we're going to kind of bounce around here tonight. But <clears throat> this was always also a year of weird and strange things. Now, I'm not too sure how much you got into the whole Anjali go meet aliens in the <sighs> Mojave Desert or Demi Lovato. We can't call them aliens because that hurts their feelings all right? you know we saw it all this year man you know
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: what was your thoughts let's let's take that the, the both those topics in because I'm gonna tell you right now I don't begrudge anybody coming public about their experiences I really don't but sometimes when you push things too far it just seems ridiculous and we saw that in my opinion with both Demi Lovato and with Anjali. Where do you want to start here?
2: <laughs> Where should we start? Both of them are fine. Yeah, whatever happened to Anjali, by she, the way? She's apparently so
1: returned what? with a new hairdo.
2: Okay, is that still, is the is the expedition to the desert still going on?
1: Apparently not. Apparently the Wayne guy uh, got really upset, said he didn't know who Anjali is, and nobody's allowed on his property.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, OK, well, you know, I'll tell you the first my first thoughts. Uh, let's start with Anjali, because I did. I watched her press conference. I, I told the the other guys and girls of the debrief. I said, let's just keep an eye on this story um, simply because there. Were, I, I, I had a slight fear. I'm going to be honest with you that something bad was going to happen as in, uh, you know, somebody, truly believe what was being said here and believe that it was this cave where these aliens were being housed and lived. Uh, and they went out there to go search for it on their own. And something bad happened. I was like, we need to know what's going to happen here. Cause I have this fear that something bad could happen. Uh, fortunately that hasn't happened. And I would certainly encourage anyone uh, not to go traipsing off into the wilderness by themselves, particularly if they're not an experienced outdoorsman, <laughs> but um, you know, I think when it comes to the Anjali thing, I think that there were a lot of uh, legitimate and valid criticisms behind the claims. I said from, from day one, that if you're going to come out with claims that significant, that you're going to say, Hey, I'm going to take these serious researchers and, and scientists and media people. And we're going to, I'm going to take them and, and meet extraterrestrials face to face so they can share their agenda. Cause I've been put on this mission. Uh, I think that that's a message you need to say after. I think you take your expedition, you take your scientists, you take your media people so that you have, uh, you know, here, let's roll the beautiful bean footage. Let's roll the video. Here's the aliens, everybody. I think you've got to have some evidence behind that. I think that uh, anytime you come out and say, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to take some uh, undisclosed experts to an undisclosed information location at an undisclosed time and we're going to do this, that's problematic. I think anybody who doesn't take that as face value and believe that, I think that's justified, you know, just based on the extreme claim there. Uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the motivations behind that were. (laughs) You know, I don't know if there was some desire for attention, um, or if there was any kind of legitimate mental illness going on there. And I'm certainly not accusing anybody of being mentally ill. I'm not qualified to diagnose that. I'm just saying that that some of the claims were a bit extreme. Uh, And so I think that uh, that was an interesting (laughs) 2021 event that evidently you just broke that news to me because it it seemed to kind of flare up. And then what happened? (laughs) But you just... (laughs) You just clued me in there. I, I would say to anyone out there who is uh, has aspirations of being a hoaxer or a charlatan, uh, I've, I've said this before, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You know, I am still a post-certified instructor, but I taught uh, in I taught investigators and intelligence analysts on the law enforcement side of things for a number of years, and the. Uh, open source civilian investigators in the UFO field are every bit as good and in many cases better than people I taught. (laughs) So if you're going to come out with some extreme claims, you damn well better have some evidence. Like Wayne better say, oh yeah, man, the alien shack's right here because the UFO field's going to find it. (laughs) They're going to get to the bottom of it. And so I, I, I guess at the end of the day, it was another it, it'll be chalked up into the extreme claims that are not new to this field that didn't come out to fruition right. but like we just mentioned with TTSA I, I so everybody's clear i would have loved if they had actually gone to the desert came back with videos of aliens here we are here's this <laughs> like that would have been a, a, a ginormous leap ahead of what <laughs> you know where we're at we're not looking at lights in the sky so I wish it was true, but uh, in, until we see that, uh, I, I I don't believe it's true.
1: All right, move, uh, it, sorry. Go ahead, finish, please.
2: No, I was going to say, are we going to move on to Lovato now, Demi? Let's
1: go. Yeah, let's go on to Demi Lovato.
2: <sighs> I don't know what to say there either, other than uh, Demi made some extreme claims. I think. Um, that uh, may or may not be true. I, there's certainly, you know, she wouldn't be the first person to say that they've had a experience, a personal experience with something that appears to be non-human. Um, beyond that, and, and I think that becomes the problem with a lot of these cases, and you probably know this because you've talked to more experiences than me, I'm sure, uh, you are one, Dave, is that suddenly politics interject into this and our own, we we, we project our own personal feelings and attitudes to Something that is not human, and suddenly, uh, I, I, I don't know why calling it an alien would be demeaning. <laughs> you know, I don't.
1: Well, to, you know, to, to I defend understand her, the
2: political. Yeah,
1: to defend the, the, her. You know, and John, uh, John uh, Hudson from our UFO report that we do here. Uh, he kind of brought it up to me because I never even put it that way. In California, the word alien is very, very racial because sure. yeah. because of the border, because of the families trying to get into the United States to be with other family members, so on and so forth. And that's where a lot of people in California look at the word alien or, or undocumented alien as being a racist term. Whereas I'd never, being up here in Canada... I'd never sure. looked at it that way because to me, when I think aliens, I think big, black, almond-shaped eyes with gray heads and slits for mouths coming from outer space.
2: Sure. No, And no, you're absolutely right. And thats I guess that's what I'm getting at when the politics enter the equation. And you're 100% right. Semantics play a big part of it. That's why uh, there was a point when I started my law enforcement career when I was a as a behavioral analyst, I was called a profiler which I think a lot of people know from TV and everything what profilers are, uh, that changed to where we w- could no longer call ourselves or even talk about it as profiling. We were investigative analysts, uh, and that's because the term profiling, especially in policing, American policing profiling is a is a no-no because it has a racial connotation was racial profiling. So, yeah, I get that, and, and I think uh, you're right. I think in putting it in that perspective, you're right, we're probably reading more to, into it and more as uh, from Demi's perspective, you know, it sounds like you're calling them illegal immigrants is what it comes down to. I think for people who wouldn't be familiar with that or who aren't from any of the southern United States regions, the term alien, they're like, what? We're talking about outer space. What are you talking about? Why would they get upset about that? Uh, I will admittedly say that I have not watched a single episode of the show that she did, although, interestingly enough, from critics, I heard uh, it was a bit kooky, but entertaining. (laughs) So maybe I should. Maybe it's entertaining. Uh, I would say that probably if there's any frustration from the UFO community or the UFO at large, the people who take it seriously, is it would be that very last statement that it was entertaining that is so frustrating.
1: Absolutely. Because there's a lot of
2: entertainment.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? As quickly as she came in, poof, she was gone. We also saw a real year in ufology of of people kind of trying to find their new place. We saw a little a bunch of little clicks kind of... Put together, and and no offense to you guys, I think you guys with the debrief really started that by putting together a super group with Micah Hanks and M J Benias and others, and then it was followed up by George Knapp bringing in Jeremy Corbell over the last couple of years, and then we saw Danny Silva, uh, Ryan uh, AKA UFO Jesus, and Joe Mergia, and, and J- you could even throw James Landoli in there. You know, we saw all of these little clicks starting to form after the two of the stars academy kind of collapsed and everybody kind of grouping together to take sides to try and grab news what was with all that in your opinion
2: i would say that the, this field is plagued with it and i think people like yourself who have been in it longer are much more familiar with these fractions that break off um I think it's unfortunate and it's it's a huge detractor to the topic. I'm sure anybody who's who's followed me on, on Twitter has seen me uh, get in public feuds at times with, with people over it uh, because there becomes this kind of tribal criticism of whose team is the best team. Um, I certainly, uh, I can only speak for, for my team, <laughs> which is the debrief, and say that uh, we wholeheartedly... Uh, don't want there to be any competition in, in, in teams and, and don't think there should be, and don't think it's frankly beneficial, you know, in addition to the fact is, uh, I would like to hope we don't compete with anybody, you know, especially some of the groups that you mentioned that are strictly, uh, UFO nished and that's the topic that they cover. Uh, you know, we, we cover a lot of different topics and frankly, uh, we've always tried to cite these people and, and because they bring a lot of good information, you know, it, it should be a supplementary help type thing, but I think that people, you know, it's, it, it's a difficult topic because there's so many unknowns, Dave. And when there's so many unknowns, you insert into that unknown different systems of belief that become devout for some people. And so I think we've gotten a lot of flack because we haven't mentioned the OSAP program enough, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, going back to the TTSA example, it's certainly we have we have not mentioned
0: brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over forty, they can all be connected. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: ...enough, not from lack of trying. You know, we've reached out to a lot of the individuals that are involved in ASAP, who are involved in BAS, and when they deny interviews or they don't want to talk or they say they can't talk... There's very little we can talk about and still maintain a, a a sense of ethics and integrity from a journalistic standpoint, you know, rather than just interpreting it and or going on open sources or not being able to ask those tough questions. Uh, personally, there's only so much we can <laughs> report on. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: Well, the other the other thing, too, though, dude, is we literally saw UFO Twitter, which was a real source of information for its first couple of years, turn into an absolute war zone.
2: True. Has it ever not been, though? I mean, at least since I came in. <laughs> it's always been a war zone. But I think it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting topic that kind of breeds itself for that, though, because just like I said, you have some devout beliefs, you have people who have had personal experiences; therefore, their beliefs or their opinion—you know what they've experienced personally—gives uh, them a lot of credence to to where they can be offended or get really upset if you say, oh, "I don't." You know, someone who hasn't had the same personal experience is like, "I don't know if I believe that." Um, I always caution people that uh, you know it, it's it's we're, we're talking about something that is you know again pr- arguably would be the biggest thing to happen to humanity since the advent of language, the idea that we're not alone. And not only are we not alone, but there's something that's here that can come in and out. And, you know, if they can do it, why can't we at some point, you know, there's, there's really life-changing existential questions at work here. And so they do, you know, not to quote the cliche Carl Sagan, but extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And so those personal beliefs don't, constitute extraordinary evidence all the time, you know, for the, for the greater population. But at the same time, uh, I will say that the idea that extraordinary claims should be dismissed is likewise wrong. And I think we see that people weaponize that same quote that I just said, well, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Well, you've got to want to get that evidence. So uh, it's, uh, I think it's a topic that's rife with, with any kind of conflict until you have some ground truths there that everybody can agree on. And so uh, I hope to see that. I think that uh, it's been the hope of a lot of people throughout their whole lifetimes is that we are able to establish some ground truths and this be something that's treated as legitimately as any other scientific academic discipline or anything else. Uh, is it the, the outcomes of it is uh monumental
1: (laughs) or or tim it might be just a bunch of us who were tired of wearing our tinfoil hats and threw them up in the air like graduation caps you know after it was announced you know that the government was going after ufos and looking into ufos i mean this has been a year of victory as well on there but what kind of victory well that's still debatable
2: Absolutely. And especially because a lot of the victories and, you know, this goes in the area that, that I'm most comfortable in. It's the area that I really focus on, which is the government side of it, uh, particularly when a lot of these victories. And I, and I constantly urge people to understand is these are victories that will be slow moving. Nothing the government does is fast. You know, I think, you know, people are are waiting for much bigger disclosures with a capital D. And, and I constantly just caution people to understand that if we're waiting from that from the government standpoint, understand that that is something that is extremely slow moving simply because nothing happens in government fast. And so uh, I think some of the other things that, that have popped up, some of the more civilian led and scientific endeavors, you know, could bear more interesting fruit more quickly than just waiting on the government side of things.
1: And we're going to get more into the entire government side of things when it comes to the next hour here on the show. But it was a year of entertainment. It was a year where people sure. really saw a shift. And one of the things that I noticed over the last couple of years is who gets to break the news? Who gets to break it? You know, we saw it with TTSA with the videos. You had a, a very big run a couple of years ago on on where everybody seemed to be talking to you. Uh, there was also a great debate on you know on going into 2021 where Jeremy Corbell literally had the focus of all media attention on him with the videos that he was producing allegedly from the government some of them were confirmed by the Pentagon the the final one was not you know did we see is this changing of the guard of who gets to break the news is there something to that
2: I don't know if there's a... I think it's a healthy media competition and we should want that. And, and uh, you know, that's how... In, in any other media topics, whether it's, you know, what's going on in, between Ukraine and Russia right now, what's going on in politics, there's a competition to break the news, to get the biggest story. The competition is a healthy thing and a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think that... Um, you know, media organizations, uh, again, just speaking for the debris side, I always have to kind of weigh to so think, uh, you know, what, what is the, what constitutes who broke what first, you know, type thing. I know people get upset about that sometimes because they feel like, well, I mentioned it on Twitter first. And you're like, well, gosh, I didn't see you mentioned it on Twitter first, but it was a, a, an open legislative uh, document. You know, I don't know that anybody's broken this per se. Uh, but I think anytime you have information coming out like that, uh, you know, from a media side of things, you know, the old adage, and I'm sure you've heard it cause you've been in media for a very long time is, is either you need to be faster than everybody else, better than you or better than everybody else, faster than you. So oftentimes on our end, I would say that we try to focus on the being better than the ones faster than us, uh. On that breaking side of, of news, things I think one of the things I've been proudest of that bleeds into twenty twenty one was that article we released a year ago uh, about the transmedium and the intelligence reports. And it's very gratifying from a news organization. I'd say it's a win when you see legislation putting it or it being put in legislative language about transmedium objects, these type of things. And it, that for me, that's a see what. We're doing our job, guys. We're doing our right. due diligence. Like we were being, you know, what we said was true. I, I couldn't print the intelligence reports for you to see them. I can't name all the sources, but here you go. You know, here's here it is in, in black and white legislative language substantiating what we said was accurate, and so that's a win for us. And and I would say that the competition is good. Uh, Except when you get into the extreme competition of trying to beat everybody else and suddenly you don't do it, not only are you not doing it as good <laughs> or better than anybody else, you're junk in and, and junk out. And, and that's not good, especially when you've got a lot of new eyes looking at this topic. A lot of people for the first time. I, I hear, I still hear from the people uh, you know, in positions in the military and the DOD who are just kind of discovering the topic for the first time and are very interested. So we got to be careful about junk going out there, just trying to beat everybody
1: we got two and a half minutes before we have to go to break at the top of the hour. Tim McMillan from org is our guest, the UFO Year in Review. This is also a potential big year and going into next year for the UAPX team, which includes former members of the 2004 Nimitz, along with scientists like Kevin Newth and others on board trying to figure out if they could recreate the Nimitz incident. And uh, apparently, what from what I'm hearing, there's some, some good footage that they got.
2: I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear that. I, I, I have not had a chance to reach out to Gary and tell them that, but uh, uh, I will say that uh, wholeheartedly, you know, the information that they've said that they've been able to capture and everything has captured a lot of attention inside both the government and lawmakers. I was interviewing uh, someone on the government side that works on this and they asked me, you know, they said, Hey, do you know this UAPX? What's your opinion on them? Uh, you know, we recently got this press release forwarded to us and 600 hours of, of footage and everything. They're like, so we're just curious. Is this, you, you think this is going to be something meaningful? And uh, knowing most of those guys personally, especially Gary Voorhees, who, who runs UAPX, uh, they're great guys. They're, you know, they're, they're super individuals. Uh, I can't say enough about Gary and them. So I'm really eager to see that. And and I again, I think that that's where the meaningful physical evidence will come from first, is places like UAPX, places like the Galileo Project. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath waiting on the U.S. government to release videos and, and stuff that's going to blow your mind. But uh, again, the U.S. government doesn't control this. If they do control it, it's not non-human. It's not something extraordinary. <laughs> it's theirs.
1: Well, you know what? I hope they do because uh, Gary Vorey's been a good friend of this show as well. And I know, you know, there's there's not a lot of people in this UFO world who could look at Gary Vorey's and say, that's a bad dude. That's a bad dude. No, he's, you know, yeah, I mean... He's super guy. Yeah. He's always treated us very well. Fantastic beard, too. You know, I mean, we, let's give him credit where credit is due. But, you know, I hope the best for them. I hope they do. I hope they're sitting on their lottery ticket because, you know, there aren't a lot of lottery tickets out there. These gentlemen may have found the technology and the right people and scientists to look at this. And, and you know, every group has their ups and downs. Let's hope that this is an up. Tim, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. When we return, we're going to get into the politics of UFOs. We don't talk a lot of politics on this show, but UFOs, well, let's face it. It's a topic that affects every government and every person on this planet. How far are we going to go? How far down the rabbit hole are they going to allow us? I know up here in Canada where I am, everybody is still mum and silent on the topic when it comes to politics. So that's something that we need to look at as we go forward here. Tim McMillan from thedebrief.org, one of the top journalists looking into the UFO subject over the last couple of years. This is the 2021 Year in Review. We'll find out also from Tim what was his favorite UFO story of 2021. Lots more show coming up here on the Mighty SOR. Stay tuned. Hour number two is next. all right buddy we're clear
2: i'm i'm loving the new intro by the way because that's new from the last time i was on the we, new video right yeah
1: that's a credit goes to our our, our tech guy viddy he uh Virginia he put vinny. that together and that's uh off. yeah vinny vin's a cool guy man cool dude you know i mean uh, we, i feel bad for living in winnipeg but what do you do <laughs>
2: That's when, when you launch a media organization, and after year one, you, you, you pick up all these media things, and man, you'd learn a lot of new respect or appreciation for, for other media that does things good. And so I look at stuff like that. It's kind of like uh, you know, me appreciating Lou's interview with Tucker. Is You look at it from a media standpoint. You're like, man, you checked all the boxes of what you should have done on that type of program. And then I looked at your intro. I'm like, that's a good intro. That's a really well done.
1: Yeah, it, it's a nice piece. I, I would like to expand on it in the future. You know, just mm-hmm. there's certain things, you know, when you when you put something together. And I'm not the tech guy where I can do high-quality editing. You know, like mm-hmm. being on, on the journalism side, you used to sit with your editor and say, okay, I want this here, I want <laughs> this here, and I want this here. You know, so, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult. But uh, I'll tell you, editing is... is <laughs> I could see it. Tell here. me about. It. I could see it here, but actually getting it to go on camera, man. Oh no! But audio. Please tell me about it. Audio. I can edit like anything. I can do anything with audio. It,
2: it looks good, man. It looks good. It, you the, the uh, whoever is responsible, which I'm sure you have a hand in it. Production value, quality, and everything, man, is good. Even so I think the first time we spoke, it was just radio, and I think because yeah. you know. I, I have to get up at like five thirty five something in the morning here in Germany. So you know I'm just rolling out a bit. I think the last time I'm like, hey, it's just audio, right? Because you know I'm looking like shit. You're like, no, no, we're doing video now, baby. Like we're in big leagues. I'm like, shit. Okay, I know. Brush dude. My hair. <laughs> I know.
1: You, you know what? Um, I do have to talk to you. I'm I'm probably gonna. I know you'll still be up, so I'm gonna probably end up calling you after the show. I I have an idea. Sure. On something that we have talked about in the past, and uh, let's just say I'm working on a story right now, and if I can get if I can get the portion of it, uh, Mm -hmm. it'll be nice.
2: Nice. No, no, that's cool, man. And I'm welcome to help, and and, uh, because I yeah I've I've started the process now. I hadn't mentioned this at all. This is very recent, last couple days. But I'm starting to try to connect some of the. Military witnesses to even like the 2015 events and the 2004 events or some of the others, um, to recreate them. So a digital team that's very good that wants to do it to recreate exactly what it looked like in these computer simulations, but to do mm-hmm. it 100. I mean, this is stuff we can do. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to work way out on the government. So I'm happy to help anyway I can. Yeah. So I think that would be cool. It'd be fun to use the exact parameters and. Maybe you can't, uh, to give a visual to some of just, the, like, is good enough now that even though we have witnesses that say, I saw this, you can take what they saw and recreate it, you know, so people can see it.
1: Absolutely, dude. Well, absolutely. Ah, uh, Mennonite Abe, thank you for the awesome super chat. Really do appreciate that. Good Mennonite kid right there. Uh we got a bunch of questions for you Tim. I'm going to try and squeeze cool. in as many of these as possible. Hi gorgeous D s uh, uh deep woo. <laughs> D Swiger changed to deep woo. Very nice. Very nice call there. Uh let's see here. Yeah, we even yeah, got We even got a grown up We even got a grown up logo there Tim. If you look up in the right corner.
2: I I, I do and and I got to give a shout out too. I I, That's I Vin, have to scroll Vince up,
1: Vincent again. Yes.
2: I saw somebody, oh, here we go, Preston Pageant, here we go, that asked, to, I believe, the drone incursions. I only got to give a shout out to them because their avatar there is the University of Florida, and that is indeed the sweater that I'm wearing. So, uh, yeah, go Gators, I'm from Gainesville, so whoever Preston Pageant, uh, you've made a friend, go Gators.
1: (coughs) Hmm. Rob Ags, welcome to our chat room.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Night Rider, welcome
1: back. Who else? I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody else here, because my ADD kicks in and I get panicky that I miss someone. Uh, I just
2: wake bad. up by hour two.
1: Bad cop, no donut. Welcome to the channel.
2: Yes, it's very true, and donuts are delicious. I can just say that. As a former law enforcement officer, whoever thought that donut stereotype for cops was a bad thing is stupid. Because
1: donuts are delicious. I had to give up donuts. Did you? Yeah. Well, I have,
2: you know, I have to an extent cuz here in Germany they don't um, they don't do donuts like I'm used to in the states, like Dunkin donuts or Krispy Kreme. So, they do do delicious fresh German pastries, but
1: Mhm. Do you ever eat Vralkuchen? with yeah, water with right. watermelon? That's good. You you put some raisins in that Volk mm-hmm. That's good stuff, man. Volk-
2: Von Krugen, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. My mom used to make that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't had that. You got in
2: such a, such such good German words. Oh it's, yeah. It's hey, an interesting language.
1: <laughs> we got twenty seconds. Alien critter, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on in. And who else did I just see uh, pop on in? Trust Divine Mercy, nice to have you here. Thank you to Mennonite Abe, Third Phase, Walker, Thomas, and Flash Forward for the awesome Super Chats. It's a great way to support what we do on this show. Hello, Guitar Muse. Let us rock, my friends. Let us rock. Here comes Bumblefoot.
3: You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook's
1: Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with our number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America as well as digitally on TalkStream Live. Revolution Radio and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Go to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Gerdoing. Gerdoing is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Pooh's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with journalist Tim McMillan. He is one of the heads of thedebrief.org. He's been writing about this subject exclusively for the last four years, breaking some of the biggest stories. And we're talking about the year that was in ufology in 2021, and it was a busy year indeed. Tim, welcome back.
2: Glad to be here, man. The first hour flew
1: by. Oh, tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. Okay, looking back on 2021, we're going to get to some audience questions here soon for you. What was your favorite story of 2021?
2: Oh, man, that's a, that's a, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, so obviously the, the, the story that came out towards the end of the year of the NDAA, so the, the new UAP office legislation, I think was a, a really big deal, perhaps bigger deal than I, I think, uh, you know, at least from the perspective that I look at it, from the government side, because I was genuinely shocked at how detailed uh, the initial amendment was, and I think anybody that read it and several pages, and as expected, that gets slimmed down to what was ultimately passed. I think that was expected, but the fact that you put that all in a, a legal document was, was impressive. Uh, for me, I thought it was impressive to see that level of uh, lawmaking going on, that level of being put into uh, you know, a, a process that could be very arduous, and uh, somebody has to take the time to write all that, and it sounds silly, but a lot of thought goes into that. I think it speaks to whatever uh, the lawmakers have been briefed on, both within this past year and previous years, Uh, so because that information, a lot of that isn't available, uh, again, it leaves the door open where people can interpret it any way they want to, and I think there's a lot of critics out there who, oh, they're just getting hoodwinked by all of this. That is not what I read in that type of robust legislation. I read that this is something that a significant amount of evidence, good evidence, was presented to lawmakers enough that they were willing to put this, their name behind it. And to me, that's a huge deal. I mean, people understand that uh, you know, what a lawmaker puts forth and the bills that they put forth, uh, you know, this carries their career.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness
2: rear and it could be whether they stay in office when it comes time for re-election or not you know people are going to use it against you or you're going to use that as one of your feathers in a cap of why to keep me in office and so the fact that you had lawmakers willing to put their name behind UAP was a really big deal and in fact specifically talking about this latest uh, UAP office legislation people might have noticed it was initially introduced by Senator Gillibrand um And it later, you know, within a week, it kind of morphed into she was the sponsor. She didn't get a co-sponsor. She got a dual sponsor. It was the Marco Rubio Gillibrand. It was the Gillibrand-Rubio amendment. It was very interesting because when she first introduced it uh, behind the scenes, talking to some people uh, out of the the Senate and involved in the Hill and the whole lawmaking process, uh, Marco Rubio's office was a little upset. That Gillibrand had first uh, introduced this because this was a, you know, this was a landmark issue that that Rubio wanted to to have in his legacy, and so that's how he got added into it. But I think if you put that in perspective for a second, you've got lawmakers not only legislating UAP, you've got them arguing over, hey, get off my turf. I want people to know me as being the lawmaker that brought about this UAP thing, and particularly when you're talking about people. Uh, like Gillibrand, who in her other lawmaking, uh, you know, her other landmark legislation that she put in there relates to uh, the, some of the military justice reforms and things that, that were a big deal and very, she spoke passionately about in the past, but something like Marco Rubio, who was a, a former Republican presidential candidate and, and a, a young guy, a well-known, uh, well-liked politician who there's nothing to say that you wouldn't see him try to run for president again. So this is not just, you know, some some lawmaker who's been up there 40 years, who's on their last legs and they're like, ah, screw it, throw it in there. These are people who are still very much at the prime of their political careers and have a lot of political aspirations ahead of them. So mm-hmm. for them to attach UAP to that, it's a big deal. Huge
1: uh, deal.
2: It's huge deal. I think that... Uh, that's a huge deal. I think the other story that came out that for me personally we haven't heard a lot more about but I think has the potential to be a very big deal is the Office of the Inspector General launching a uh, review and an investigation into how the DOD has been handling UAP. And for me, I think I, I wrote an article saying that this could be the biggest thing that we've seen in years simply because the the IG office, knowing what I know about the IG office, they have uh, significant authority, you know what you, what they say and do can have impact on people's careers, and people very often are they're going to cooperate with an IG investigation. And I think uh, you know John Greenwald, I believe, got the the some of the FOIAs out regarding the briefings and slideshows that were done uh, w- inside the IG team who is currently conducting the review. And hopefully, if anybody saw those, they realized that, whoa, this is, you know, they're having multiple, you know, a dozen different investigators and team members are meeting, having a briefing about it. Like, this is going to be something very comprehensive that they're doing. And, and I think it's extremely interesting. I hope that the, that review will become public because what that will do is people will get a really good idea of how has the government been treating this topic uh, you know, I don't know how far back they're going to go, but how far? How have they been treating this topic? That'll be very interesting, very very interesting.
1: Well, one uh, thing but- that's been disappointing to me regarding the politicians on this is I don't trust them when it comes to this subject. And when I see people playing, and and I hate to use this term, Tim, but I'm gonna, I don't know how else to put it, but when I see them playing dumb. On this subject, like, oh my, we had no idea this was happening in our skies. And, you know, playing dumb about Roswell, playing dumb about Kecksburg and the Phoenix Lights, none of those topics ever came up. Well, Roswell did a few times, but usually in jest and not as fact. You know, to me, watching these politicians think that this entire phenomena started in 2004 is either part of a narrative or... Or it's part of something that they are just that naive about. Do you find what's your opinion on that? First off,
2: I, I think it could be both, uh, and, and I, I've said this to people privately. This is the first time I've said it publicly, but it, it is just my opinion. But it, it is my opinion that um, you know, if you're going to have a disclosure with a capital D, I think this is the only way that you would see it go about is this kind of, oh, what's happening? Oh, wow, we better look at this and bring this information out. Uh, I think that certain things such as uh, the potential of any crash retrievals, uh, Roswell, that kind of stuff, the likelihood of that information ever seeing the light of day, I don't ever say never. And I've been surprised in this topic more than, more than often than, than I thought I would be. But it it seems like it's extremely unlikely that you would see that come out because of all of the other ramifications that go behind that. You've got to explain how you either concealed it from lawmakers, other government officials, and the public for 70 years, or namely just the latter one, the public for 70 years. And so that poses all sorts of really uh, intense political... Uh, and governmental questions that I think uh, it, it just really, short of there being some kind of Snowden leak, I don't think it's ever going to be something the government would would want to retroactively come out and address. Uh, however, going about it this way, where you're you're playing either you're playing oblivious or you are oblivious, and you rediscover all this new information, and, and maybe you do retrieve some materials. More recently now, rather than going back, um, and this information comes to light in that manner, to me, that's more likely, because that right. saves you from answering all of these questions like, look, dude, as recently as the 90s, you sit there and lie to us
1: yeah. in a press well, conference. And that's why I tell our audience, there is this giant UFO Pandora's box That the U.S. Mm -hmm. government not only doesn't want their citizens to know, they don't want the Russians Mm -hmm. to know. They don't want the Chinese to know. They don't want egg on their face regarding any of this, whether they've met with aliens. And this is why I always tell people, Tim, and I I get some strange looks sometimes, even though I can't see them, I can feel them. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, that, Mm -hmm. you know, right now, due to that Pandora's box, we can't throw anything out. Because now, sure. now their government is getting into this subject. We don't know what's real. We don't know what's fake. It could be the secret space program. It could be Bob Lazar. Hell, it could be Eisenhower meeting with aliens in 1954 at, at Holloman or whatever base that was back then. We can't throw anything out now because that Pandora's box is being fought for right now and i think that's what the military industrial complex with this subject is all about
2: sure well and i think that's the only way that you get any of that archival information out is that it it comes out either truthfully or is a a good narrative play that uh Yes, these events and these things happened uh, for reasons unbeknownst and, and against the better judgment of anyone else, this information was transferred into the hands of private contractors and they owned it legally, so we're going to blame the private contractors for keeping this information from you rather than the government. I think that's the only way you save face. Most importantly, you know, trust and faith in government. You know, if you, when you're in a democracy, uh, you, know, you depend on the public trusting you. And so to come out and say, yeah, we've been lying for a long time to come out and say that overtly that, that shatters that public trust and is extremely problematic. But yeah, I think the only way you do that is saying that this is something in private contractors. Uh, and you know, it's still, I think any way you, you, you cut the cake, people are always going to legitimately and they should ask those questions like, well, what about this and that, (laughs) you know? Uh, I've always been one to say, you know, that's our, our, our motto at the debrief is legitimately how we live, which is rebelliously curious. So we don't dismiss anything. There's, there's quite often that I will say stuff like I, I have never come across any evidence that I would consider to be valid saying that, that Eisenhower met with their extraterrestrials. Does that mean it didn't happen? No, <laughs> you know, it certainly could. I've just never seen that evidence. And so I'm really cautious about what I'll say simply because at least if I say, yes, this happened or that happened, I, I have good evidence to support that. But you're right. Anything's on the table until it's not frankly.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a big flaw in the UFO community because we tend to believe our own belief system rather than go with the facts. And we don't know what the facts are in that Pandora's box, which we can now see is trying to be hidden from us as we go forward in this potential disclosure movement tim we're going to include some questions here from our audience start off with mennonite abe here he says when you were on stephen green street's basement office you mentioned a story about the roswell crash can you expand on that story
2: sure yeah i know that that generated a lot of attention it's so funny because that comment was was made uh off the record (laughs) But Stephen later came back and said, hey, man, can I please include that? Can I please, please, please? And I'm like, sure, man, sure. Uh, And the only reason I wanted to include that off the record is because it goes into exactly what we're talking about, Dave, um, is what do you have evidence for and what do you don't? And in this case, uh, that wasn't something that I was going to put in print because the only evidence I had was the word of one person, (laughs) you know, no other physical evidence. And it wasn't corroborated.
5: Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: ...operated by anyone else. But uh, for anyone who's not familiar, the comment they're mentioning is what I told Stephen was that it, this was when I was working on the Popular Mechanics article I did about Bass and OSAP uh, back in, was it early 2020? Um, I said that somebody who was involved in this program mentioned that uh, indeed there was a Roswell crash. Indeed, there were uh, biological, or how did they term it? there they were occupants. okay, there we go. occupants. They didn't expand upon that. So don't let me take the biological part out. They just said occupants. Uh, and they said that the craft was was not a flying saucer. Yeah, that as people think that it was extremely uh, sophisticated uh, to the point of which it was something so sophisticated that uh, materials and whatnot, the U.S. government, uh, frankly, are, was stumped. You know, they couldn't analyze it. They couldn't replicate it or reverse engineer, as has been suggested. Uh, but I think the part that people found very interesting is that uh, they told me that whatever this very sophisticated. Uh, device, craft, object, vehicle, was uh, it, they believed it had the means to uh, alter perception uh, to where people could perceive it as, as something that maybe it wasn't really. Um, and that, uh, you know, if you saw a tic-tac that may not be representative of its actual shape or if you saw a flying saucer that may not be act- representative of its actual shape, that it had some sort of... Uh, technological ability to alter people's perception. Uh, I've, I've, you know, at times when people have asked me about it, I've expanded on it and said that, you know, I, again, this is just what someone told me. Uh, but this idea that you could alter somebody's perception—that's not crazy. <laughs> we know that it can be done, and my academic background is in cognitive psychology, and so. The idea that you can alter somebody's perception to perceive something as something it isn't uh, is very easy to do to an extent. Uh, you know, a rudimentary form of it is that's why camouflage exists, so that you think it's a bush and not a tank. Uh, but this idea of doing that to an extreme level, where something physically looks like it is something it isn't, you know, our brains are just electrical impulses, and if you know, if you're sophisticated enough to know how to uh you know from a remote distance influence those electrical impulses um it's not crazy you know that that's not i'm not saying we got to bend space time to do that it it can be done uh, if you (laughs) can remotely influence those electrical inputs inside our brains and i think that's an interesting side of it i i have said that uh that whole area and the idea that uh UAP can influence perception is something I find fascinating. And, and I would say that there is potentially more evidence behind that than, than people discuss. Particularly, you'll hear in a, in a lot of people I've interviewed personally who have had very up close and personal sightings. They, they often report auditory exclusion where uh, they suddenly all ambient noise around you ceases to exist anymore. You know, like all of a sudden, all the birds were chirping, everything just goes silent. And so they see what's in front of you. Um, You know, I think people hear that in the initial interpretation is, oh, well, you know, the UAP made all the birds shut up. But, uh, you know, if you really were to stop and think about it, there's ambient noise around you at all given times. You know, whether it's uh, the car traveling 10 miles down the road that you typically don't even hear because your brain just says that's not important anymore. Um, there's a lot of ambient noise that's around us. So if you have complete secession of all noise, that's an influence of your perception system. That's an influence of your sensory system. And so the fact that that has come up, you know, at least for me and consistently when I've spoken to people who have had, when I say up close, so they're you know, they're close enough, you know, within. 100 feet let's say 50 feet 100 feet they're that close and they experience that to me that is one of the least discussed things but it definitely is evidence that uh, there is some type of uh, influence on perception system if it's nothing more than just your auditory so it's a fascinating side of it, it and it brings up all sorts of dynamics to it frankly
1: tim we got three and a half minutes left Before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour, I want to try to squeeze one, maybe two more questions again. Advocate for UFO Disclosure, Tim, what is the most significant fact you learned about UAPs this past year?
2: Oh, geez. Um, Man, that's a tough one. Ah, Gosh. Hmm. I don't know. What's the most significant fact? Um... Man, that's a tough one. I don't know because it's very—it's a slippery topic. <laughs> and every time you're like, "I've figured this out," or "This is consistent," something changes. <laughs> uh, I've always said it—the it, topic is inherently paranormal because uh, not because I think it's a, a ghost, but rather because nothing acts normally. You know, you think the Pentagon is supposed to act one way, and they do something totally different. They don't act normally, so it's paranormal. So I'd say the most significant fact I've learned about it is whenever the UAP topic gets brought up, it becomes paranormal, meaning that everything that should be normal isn't isn't for whatever reason.
1: All right, let's sneak in one more question here, two and a half minutes. Uh, Excaliperful is asking, what are some stories you have investigated that ended up being way too woo to publish under journalistic standards, but that you found interesting?
2: I would say that some of the stuff that was brought up, particularly in the recent book by James Lukatsky, George Knapp, and uh, Colin Kelleher, uh, there were some there were some stories about experiences that occurred on Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, even afterwards, let's say the hitchhiker phenomena we've heard about, uh, where people saw things or experienced things, uh, that was shocking to me and, and extremely interesting because. I knew some of the individuals, the real people, you know, the pseudonames in the book. So I, I knew some of them and had known them for a long time. And I, you know, I did not know that until I read the book. They had never talked about that, but they were definitely individuals that going back to the idea of credibility of witnesses. I was like, wow. Okay. You know, if, if you say you saw a, a walking wolf, man, I believe that you saw that you know, what that is, I don't know. And so, but it gets into, like you said, that the woo side of it. how are you seeing that? And besides me coming out and saying, hey, I I trust this person isn't making this up. I genuinely do. I just do uh, from past experience. But besides that, you know, that kind of crosses the threshold where you can't print. (laughs) journalistically, you can't say, you know, I can do an opinion piece saying I trust these people, but should I expect you Dave or your audience or anybody else to believe just me? No, because you don't have the same experience with the individuals that I do or with me. And so that's where you, you try to make sure that you, you have, if all you've got is testimony, you have multiple testimonies that corroborate or you've got physical evidence to back it up. But I would say that that was one of the surprising things for me, uh, it's not to down anybody else who's mentioned similar things as Skinwalker.
1: All right. Tim McMillan from the thedebrief.org, one of the top journalists covering this subject on the UAP subject from a very political point of view. It is the 2021 year in review on UFOs. The year of the UFO, I will call this. It has been incredible. It has been interesting. It has been factual. It has been covered up. I'll tell you pretty much worse than any sort of Mariah Carey Christmas song. And that's pretty bad. We'll find out more from Tim Millen about NASA, ETs, China, Russia on spaced out radio next. That was a fast <laughs> half hour, man. Holy cow. Yeah,
2: man. It's always fun. I I I enjoy your your shows one of the <laughs> the few that's good because they bring out i get to bring out stuff that uh i haven't been able to write down and i feel like i break lots of stuff on your show
1: keep going man i don't mind <laughs> since we talked about breaking news yeah no kidding no okay let's get to this question here uh from g west i know we're on break mm-hmm. here but Elizondo tells Gillibrand everything he knows. Does that break his NDA? If not, does Gillibrand have to sign an NDA to not spill the beans?
2: Yeah, um, you know, all of the senators uh, that are on those different committees, so like the Intelligence Committee, the Armed Services Committee, in this case, uh, they're all cleared. They all have top secret SEI clearances, and in fact, they, um, you know, it, it narrows down to a scope of what they call the Gang of Eight, where you have the, the committee leaders. Uh, who possess the highest clearances in the U.S. government. So even though they're lawmakers and they got a, they were elected, even to be on those committees, they have to pass extreme background checks, very similar to what you would if you worked on that stuff. So no, there's no breaking of NDAs or anything like that. Everybody is cleared to, for any and all information inside those committees. And all of that is... is is checked beforehand so even their staffers and everything they all possess security clearances for all of that
0: mm-hmm.
2: nobody gets in trouble there they get in trouble for not actually <laughs> it's the exact opposite so you know they would get in trouble for withholding information
1: that makes sense that makes yeah. sense
2: there there is there is oversight mechanisms in place in government and lawmakers are supposed to
5: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do.
0: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
5: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
5: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: So, you know, if somebody gets caught not sharing information when they're supposed to, that can be a big deal. (laughs) You go to jail, actually.
1: Jail would suck. Jail yeah. would suck. <laughs> Not going to lie. Oh. No, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, I mean, the narrative that is fully underway right now, and I would say has gone from second gear to third gear now, I don't think we're quite in fourth gear yet, you know, it, it's... No. It's something that I I could really, really see. Uh, If the public caught, uh, you know, if the I'm offended crowd of the public ever caught knowledge of how realistic this topic is, I think that would put a lot of pressure on the media outlets to start asking some tougher questions. Sure.
2: Yeah, hang on. Let me go tell my kids to be quiet. They've awoken
1: now. (laughs) No problem, buddy. All right. Um, I haven't heard that, uh, uh, Markham, I haven't heard that at all. Uh, I know there is a connection, but it, that really hasn't come up in, in this uh, story this year. It should, but I think it's well beyond that. And, you know, we just started over the last month and a half, we're going to get into this with Tim momentarily, about you know, we're now hearing the word extraterrestrial, and that's a first. So that's where this is all, they've got it all lined up in phases from what I'm hearing. They've got it all lined up in phases, like phase one was UAP, but they're not alien. Phase two, uh, but they could be Russian and China. Phase two was, it's not Russia, China, it's something else. We don't know what it is. Now we're heading into Phase 3 where we've seen the Pentagon and we've seen NASA all of a sudden use the word extraterrestrial. Well, holy shit here. Here we go. So this is its they're doing it all in a very slow phase, and that's the narrative we have been uh, talking about over the last number of months here. So when is that next phase going to begin? We have no idea. No idea. Uh it was regarding uh Bigfoot and E. T. uh related comments. So yeah, they're they're taking it nice and slow right now. Hold on, I got you on mute, Tim.
2: Ah, perfect. Yes.
1: In, in case you had to uh bust some ass, I had to make sure. Nose on sent. <laughs> How you doing? Mm. Uh
2: yeah, I saw a question about Bigfoot and UFOs, and I, I will have to defer that to my, my colleague, Micah Hanks. I am not the Bigfoot
1: guy. I already, I already took care of that is. one. Okay. I already took care of that. How's Micah doing?
2: Good, good. Good, man. We're good. Super busy,
1: but... I haven't had him on in in a long time. i got to do that again. You need
2: to, man. One he, second he's... here. we got
1: like five seconds here. That's a halfway point of spaced out radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight, the UFO year in review. Tim McMillan is here from the debrief.org, one of the top journalists covering this subject on a worldly basis. And we are into your questions. I've got a bunch of questions. And in 2021, Tim, we really saw. A real change of events. All of a sudden, about summertime, we saw both Chris Mellon and Luis Elizondo specifically stop using the words Russia and China. At first, it was all about we don't know if this is a foreign adversary, we don't know if it's Russia or China, and they really started to focus on the fact that this technology with the tic-tacs or whatever it was being seen on these videos was not of human origin that was a big shift that i think a lot of people really missed out on tim
2: sure yeah i i agree with you and i think um So I think they have to walk a narrow line there because obviously, you know, especially with a lot of work they had been doing on the Hill and talking to lawmakers and everything, um, not everybody's going to be as receptive to this idea of it uh, being something uh, non-human, something really exotic here. And so you you, you walk this line of, um, you know, well, it could be Russian or Chinese. Uh, which, at the same time, I think until you know exactly what it is, or you can say exactly what it is, I think that that's the appropriate stance, too. You, you don't want to ever let hubris take over, and you go, no, no, it can't be. That's, that's, that's how you, bad things happen. Uh, but definitely, there, there was a... Uh, I think even uh, Christopher Mellon, for the first time, came out and said that his personal opinion is this was extraterrestrial. Yeah, that was first first time that I'm aware of that he'd said it kind of publicly... Uh, But I think they're just following, you know, good abductive logic here. And uh, we do have some understanding and grasp over the technology advancements in somewhere like Russia or China. Um, It's not... To bash Russia in particular, but I've always been the one to say that I think we we throw Russia in the mix uh, out of kindness. But the, if you really looked at the technologies and, and frankly just the resources that they have in their military industry, uh, I, I would say Russia is really not in the mix here. You know, their their advancements in aerospace is, is not is not. <laughs> I would not think be remotely capable of producing anything like what we've seen, and so it falls down to China. Uh, but I think they're just following the abductive logic that you don't see any evidence of these types of significant aerospace advancements coming out of China, even. And, and frankly, from a geopolitical standpoint, China has only become a real major military world player in the last couple of years. You know, the last five, ten years uh, since President Xi. Took over, so this idea that they could have made these types of just just remarkable advancements in such a short amount of time, uh, you know, if you're just following uh, all the known information, it, it becomes more unlikely and more implausible. And I think most importantly, the behaviors that they're being observed—it's just not consistent from from a military or intelligence standpoint. It's not consistent with how. Uh, most surveillance, reconnaissance, or intelligence platforms are utilized. You, know, you don't want to be seen, but these things uh, oftentimes you know, appear to either want to be seen or they're not hiding to an extent.
1: One other thing that we saw this year that I thought was very profound that once again the mainstream media you know, swung and missed at was the fact that we all of a sudden heard the word extraterrestrial come out. The first few years of this subject, Tim, we, we were told point blank that we had – the reason why the whole UAP came out was because UFOs was associated with extraterrestrials, aliens, whatever you want to call them, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's why they changed it to UAP. But now we're hearing the word extraterrestrial with UAP. Thank you to the Pentagon. And thank you to Bill Nelson, the head of NASA. I mean, this was a major, major story that really got overlooked. It may seem small, but the words are extremely profound.
2: Sure. And and again, I think it's uh, people like Bill Nelson or others that are just... Uh, have the courage or, or frankly, the, the they just don't give a shit uh, enough not to say what, what kind of the abductive logic here is that if you can't place any, uh, any type of known technologies that would comport with a number of, of things that, that have been observed and, and data that's been captured. And again, I stress that uh, there's no one single technology breakthrough that could account for a lot of these sightings it would have to be multiple technology advancements where we're not even at one you'd have to have multiple and so suddenly if you if you're having that and you're having evidence of that you have to start kind of questioning well what is this we don't have any known technology that can uh Comport to this, you know, anywhere across the world, and in fact, you know, our best technical analysts and intelligence experts can't even tell you how this could be replicated. You, you know, the next step is well, what are we talking about here? You know, where, where are we talking about it? And so, uh, I've always said, I think since the the ODNI report came out uh, that listed the the hundred and forty four different. Uh, sightings that are still listed as unknowns, or, or one, I believe, was, was identified, the rest are unknown, I think it, it is the natural progression and the appropriate place to now start saying, okay, we've established it's real, um, what is it? And so asking, what is it, is, is the appropriate thing to say. Um, again, you know, extraterrestrial, I think when you're using that term of Should probably still, in my opinion, be be uh, used broadly in saying anything that is not human, because I don't know. know, I don't even know if aliens traveling from a distant planet is is necessarily the best uh, the best conclusion here. You know, I think there's a lot of lot of things that are still on the table, uh, especially if you want to get into the the weirder side that again, is backed up by science when you talk about different dimensions and all these different things. I think there, there are, uh, you're talking about something that we lack the, the scientific knowledge to really understand and pinpoint. Uh, there's still a lot on the table, and there's a lot of stuff we don't know about our own universe and existence. So, uh, again, I say this all the time. If history is any indication, it is that everything that we accept to be absolute ground truth now or self-evident fact will be proven to be wrong. Eventually, you know, whether it's five hundred or a thousand years from now, uh, people may laugh at us and saying, "Oh, you thought it was aliens? It was extra, or it was interdimensionals, or who knows what it is." Uh, but I think that that um, I think once you establish this is really going on, that asking that question, well, "What is it?" That's should be <laughs> That should be the natural progression of where we're
1: at. Well, the other thing too that I found very very disappointing. To say the least, was with Bill Nelson, where he he was sitting here saying that he had seen over th- tons of videos, over three hundred reports. He talked to the U.S. Navy pilots, and here I'm screaming at my screen here, man, listening to them saying, "Bill, you run NASA. What what's in your closet? What about the rumors of scrubbing videos, scrubbing photos?" cutting feeds to the ISS the live feeds to the ISS when something anomalous comes into play and astronauts like like cooper and and others who who say they had sightings of beings what about neil armstrong they are here they are on the hill they are watching us you know there's a lot of there was a lot of conjecture of him getting excited about this topic, but I wanted to wring his neck, man, and in a polite way, of course, a good Canadian soft, gentle way, okay, to say, "Dude, check your own closet before you come speaking out about this. you're supposed to be the space guy."
2: Sure. And I think it goes back to the question you asked me earlier about are is, is certain individuals in the government being naive or are they, you know, overtly lying or, or covering something up? And, and one thing that's important to remember, especially when you talk about heads of different agencies like, like Bill Nelson, who's the head of NASA, is that your senior executive, your principal executive, whether it's the secretary of defense, whether it's the head of NASA or whatever, uh, they're only in office eight years maximum in most cases, because whenever you have a presidential changeover, you know, you get a whole new set of principal executives that the new president brings in. Uh, so in, in, Bill Nelson's, uh, example here, you know, he's only been there two years, less than if you count the confirmation process. And so it creates this interesting dynamic where, uh, administrators can make decisions like you're talking about, whether it's the scrubbing of videos or the dismissing of astronaut's testimony or the kind of classifying and locking away that information that one executive makes. And then when he leaves office, uh, the next executive has to actually ask to look in that closet like you're talking about. They have to know to. And uh, I have, uh, you know, I've spoken to, Some of these former principal executives, you know, one of them, Ray Mabus, this year, I did a feature article with Ray Mabus, who was the former secretary of the Navy, was the longest, second longest lasting secretary of the Navy. And he admitted that, yeah, this stuff is real. And why he didn't push more to know about it is, you know, I think he gave a very genuine and honest answer, which was, man, my bandwidth was so limited because there's so much else going on all the time. So it takes a senior principal executive to come in office and say, yeah, yeah, I know we're launching the James Webb Space Telescope. I know we got this, 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 we're on Mars with a rover, but I want this, you know, you are delegated with this sole task, which is to figure out what we do know and have known for the past decades and bring that back to me. So it takes that action. And unfortunately, a lot of times because of all the other things that are going on, uh, I think a lot of executives don't do that. Now, with everything that we've seen now, uh, with the legislations being passed and the facts being talked about, I think that has changed. I think some of those new principal executives are, are now having to ask those questions. Especially, you know, I think if there's anything different about 2021 in the, in the UFO topic in totality, it would be the fact that this is the first time that we've ever seen legislation passed on UFOs. It's never happened before. Never happened before. You know, the The establishment of all SAP was not legislation that was appropriated funding. So now you actually, for the first time in U.S. history, you have agencies, defense officials who have to answer to lawmakers. And they've put that on the record as the will of Congress. So that's very interesting because now suddenly in that whole big lump of bandwidth of things that they have to pay attention to, uh, Congress has said, no, you're going to pay attention to this, whether you like it or not. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that.
1: It it is going to be interesting. Let's just quickly get to G. West's question here. Tim, about a year ago, you mentioned in a tweet that you had a dark horse for a country that might come into the public eye about UAP. Did they? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that was the I was referring to the San Marino initiative that that came out. Uh, We reported on back in late summer, early fall, uh, where San Marino is trying to push the topic to the U.N. So I knew about that about a year earlier when the the planners of that were in the early stages of getting it ready to go before the General Assembly, before they met uh, in the fall of 2021. I don't have any updates on that. I I need to to check with Paolo, who's the primary organizer of that project, Project Titan. Um, But that was the country I was referring to. I knew that they were going to present it to San Marino. I knew that they were going to try to get San Marino to put forth uh, a UN initiative to make it an international topic, Uh, something that we really haven't seen uh, not just in the UN perspective, but but frankly, the international community in general. It's been a really U.S.-led topic these last years. It is significant of things as we've seen, which uh, is unfortunate. But uh, at the same time, I think as we see in the United States, this can topic continue to grow uh, and continue to be discussed by lawmakers. That will expand outwards as well. I, I mentioned that after they passed the NDAA, a uh, uh, a reporter, a, defense, a ser- very serious defense reporter, a good defense reporter out of Finland who I know. Uh, I was amazed that I think within 30 minutes of them passing the NDAA, he already had a really good article out uh, in Finnish, so going to their local population about the UFO pr- provision. And so I think that's only going to expand and suddenly the the natural course of evolution then is to start people in other countries asking their own governments, well, what, you know, what's going on? Is this happening here too? Are you, you know, a part of this? Are we, are we having some kind of alliance with the United States? You know, we have alliances for defense and everything else. Why wouldn't we?
1: Well, I mean, uh... Can it be a country as small as San Marino? Would that even make a, a marker on the field?
2: Well, I think, you know, the idea was that they bring it into the U.N. So even a country as small as San Marino, as long as they are able to uh, pass a U.N. resolution, you know, get the U.N. involved in it. The the hard part is putting it in front of the U.N. That's the hard part. So, it's a, you know, all these other larger countries are are jockeying for all these other things that they want to feel important and they want to bring into the international stage. So I think a a lot of it, uh, it boils down to, it can, it can absolutely be, I think a country like San Marino is probably ideal because, you know, I remember when I wrote that article, a lot of people were like, San Marino, what the heck is that? You know, I even made the mistake of saying a city in Italy. No, 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 it's a country, not a city. (laughs) Oops. Sorry. Um, so a country that uh, you, know, it, you know doesn't have to worry about all of the other geopolitical issues that they put ahead of other things when it comes to UN resolutions, whether it's you know, stuff going on with uh, cyber hacking or technology issues, all these other things that they consider more pressing for their own larger nations and, and economic issues. Somewhere like San Marino is kind of ideal, I think. To bring this forth now, once it's put in front of the UN, then it becomes something that the entire full body of the United Nations, which is just about every country in the world, uh, participates in and has to take seriously. If and so, you know, I think uh, I think San Marino at, at, in the long term, I think probably is somebody. Ideally, I think it'd be much harder to get the U.S., the UK, Canada, any any of those countries to at least an present that initial resolution
1: all right let's move on here with another quick question we got about six minutes to go before we hit the top of the hour third phase is asking tim do you think we have craft recovered from ufo crashes and we finally will figure out how to operate it after 74 years
2: i don't know I, i know nobody likes that answer I don't know. I would say there's significant smoke around that topic of the Roswell crash or even other crashes, but obviously Roswell being the primary one uh, where there's... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it
4: comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
2: i have never personally seen the fire behind it but there is uh definitely uh, billowing smoke that's not going out that that would suggest to me that it's not something that has ever been dismissed i think um when i watched uh the phenomena documentary um just recently it was released this year and they had the original uh audio recordings from and gosh It's early here, and his name is escaping me, but the first Army Air Force intelligence officer who was there on the scene, and he's recounting uh, the crash site and things that were there. Uh, For somebody like me, who's coming into the topic maybe on the latter end and hasn't put in as much time as a lot of other people, especially with something like the, the crashes in Roswell, to hear him saying that, I'm thinking, wait, Whoa. That's a big freak. I mean, this is a guy who was there. And uh, I am a, uh, even though I don't write about it nearly as much, a little bit, but but I am a significant uh, World War II historian. And so I do know what these the, the members of those intelligence services were accustomed to and what they did during the war and that type of stuff. And so the fact that you've got an intelligence officer who should be very well versed in different things to be saying, you know, what they saw and that they saw these different materials uh, and, and even, you know, biological entities. I'm looking at that going, what though? like yeah, maybe it's a, I, I'm sure a lot of people who have researched this much more than me are probably like, gosh, Tim, you're so, you're so naive and dumb. Maybe that's why I give the, the idea of naive lawmakers credence because when I heard that and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this is a guy who's there, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was there, you know, how could you possibly uh, 60 years later say, oh, it was just a weather balloon and, and not address the person who was there, <laughs> what they saw, and so, uh, that goes into that, uh, I would say that's, uh, more than billowing smoke, maybe you can see some, some ambers floating in the air and a little glow of fire there. That's more than just smoke. And so I don't know. I don't know. But I'd say that I would definitely, anybody who firmly believes that it crashed, I think they have good reason to
1: believe that. All right, we got 3 minutes to go and we only got you for another half an hour after this. So, I really want to focus on the NDAA, the budget, and what is coming in 2022 in in your thoughts here. So, to kick it off, you know, we saw the budget go through, you know, everybody cheered. Was it a victory for the field of UFOs? Because I'm seeing, you know, not to sound pessimistic, I don't see a lot of transparency in bringing this subject to the public.
2: Sure. Uh, um, okay, so it's twofold. That's a, it's a good question, and it's kind of a nuanced one. For one, I think that everybody should consider it a victory. I definitely consider it a victory. because, Like I mentioned earlier, this is the first time that you've ever seen UFO legislation. Period. Stop. Full stop. This is the first time you've ever seen that. So the will of Congress has been expressed that this office is going to exist, it's going to be looked into. Uh, This does give the public some power here in that you have a conduit. You now can call those lawmakers and start fussing and say what you want or don't want as product gets released or doesn't get released. So if you don't hear any public hearings, if you don't hear any uh, unclassified reports or analysis that are coming out, you can start fussing about that. And at the end of the day, those lawmakers keep their jobs uh, by the public voting them in. And so the will of the public is supposed to work. They're supposed to operate by uh, expressing the will of the public. And so it does give people a lot more power, I think, especially if they can uh, kind of uh, mobilize and unify behind this. And enough people express that this is what they want. Uh, Congress doesn't have an option here. So I think th- there's a much more significant conduit now for for the availability of public information. That said, uh, I you know I always caution people that the the military, the intelligence community, yeah, you, know, you know their job is not uh, public disclosure. Their job is they are not a scientific organization. I think it's very important for people to understand is that uh, a lot of the technologies that they would use for data collection or analysis are classified themselves. So what they capture may not be classified, but what they're using is classified. And, and in particular, uh, they're only focusing on you know military installations, denied airspace over uh, that are military controlled. And so if you have something that's penetrating those, what should be denied airspaces or what they're called, that represents a significant vulnerability to national defense that in itself is inherently classified. So, um, you know, those, you know, the, it's, it's significant in that the topics being treated is very important uh, for the first time. And I think in a manner that it hasn't been before, but the idea that the release of information will be easy to get out, no one should accept that uh, because they're, that's, that's not their job. I think, uh, other institutions like nasa who are more science focused mm-hmm. uh, that is their job
1: tim i'm gonna get you to hold on right mm-hmm. there because we got a lot more questions in the final half hour tim mcmillan from the debrief.org as we look at 2021 and take a look into 2022 on the ufo subject final hour of spaced out radio is coming up right after this Big shout out to Thin Lizzie Borden, one of our booking agents and one of our TikTokers. Actually, she is our TikToker. Happy birthday, Lizzie! Much love from me and the Space Out Radio family to you, and really appreciate uh, everything that you do. And I hope you have the best day ever in your new hoodie. Yes, in the new hoodie. Tim, I'm just gonna take a quick bathroom break. I'm just gonna put you on mute. I'll be right back. Okay. <coughs> we got a foot and a half of snow on the weekend, and we're supposed to get another four to six inches today.
2: We haven't gotten any here in so far. <laughs> I'm mean, a little flurry. But...
1: Oh, dude, it's been crazy here. And then this this you're on Celsius there, aren't you? Oh,
2: yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Supposed to get to, like, minus 30 here this weekend.
2: Jesus. That's freaking
1: cold. It's not even yeah, fun. Yeah. That's not fun. <laughs>
2: Mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh. No, but I do. I, I do like it when it gets a, a a decent snow. The kids get to play in. It's usually usually, usually once or twice here, and then you just have snow, yeah. <laughs> just just flurries.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I, no okay. kidding, Manuel. Hey, welcome back, buddy. Uh, no, we haven't discussed that yet. Uh, don't know if we'll have time to get into Edwards Air Force Base and Lockheed Martin. Uh, Black Dragon, Semper Fi to you, my veteran friend. How are you? Uh, Markham, no, I have not been back to Provincetown since we were there. I would love to go back there. It's gorgeous. Too many great white sharks, though. Dude, did you hear, Markham, that that was a place where uh, that guy got swallowed by a, a humpback whale and then spit out the lobster fisherman? what yeah earlier really? this year in provincetown uh, massachusetts um a guy was uh, diving for lobsters and he accidentally got scooped up by a by uh a feeding uh gray whale or or humpback whale and he was in the mouth for like 30 seconds 40 seconds and then the whale took a uh, spit him out
2: Jesus, this is like a real biblical. This is like a biblical story. Yeah, this man. is like Jonah. The
1: guy thought it, the guy thought he was gone for. Uh, big thank you, I would too. big thank you to G West, Naive Essence, uh, Third Phase, Mennonite Abe, uh, Walker, Flash Forward, and Thomas for the great super chats. We really do appreciate it. And uh, let's make this happen. A good third hour at the bottom of the hour, we're going to join the shift and go right across Canada to talk some UFOs as well. Here we go, everyone. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor kicking off the third and final hour of spaced out radio tonight my name is dave scott how are you doing out there i hope you're enjoying the woo tonight As we say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Go to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Gerdoing. Girdoying is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the CLAM sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Pooh's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, we say hello to Tim McMillan. He is a journalist writing for TheDebrief.org, his own company of journalism, looking into the UFO subject. This is the 2021 year in review of UFOs. It's been a busy year indeed, and we're going to talk about the government side of everything, as well as what we can look forward to in 2022. Tim, welcome back.
2: Well, I'm glad, glad to be here, man. It's been fun. It's flown by. It's oh, been a quick oh, two hours.
1: Well, you know what? A good interview needs a great guest, and that's what we got tonight. So thank you so much, man.
2: Oh, pleasure to be here, dude. Slid that just comment fun.
1: right in there. Just Slid it right in. Smooth. Yeah, man, good job. Smooth. Yeah, smooth. All right, buddy. Yeah. NDAA yeah. comes down just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, it was a victory for a lot of people. And a, and a victory for the subject in general to finally get on the budget that we were going to be talking about UFOs, except there are a little bit of concerns about this. You have talked to people in Washington, D.C. regarding this subject, regarding you know what is going on and what's the true atmosphere of this entire phenomena. Is the U.S. government as blind about this subject as they portray in the media, or are they just trying to keep the levels of anxiety down because they, they're still not sure how the public is going to react?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think that's obviously a question that a lot of people have, and I can only comment on just what I know from interviews and people that I've spoken to, the general impression that I've got, um, and I've, I've termed it willful apathy, And so this idea that these sightings and things have been going on, but people have willfully kind of disregarded them or or pushed them to the side as nonsense has always been the general feeling that I've gotten Uh, the idea that the U S government could, have at one point, especially if you go back to the 1940s and 50s and 60s, have known a lot more about the subject and effectively lost that information. And by saying uh, lost it, meaning is it uh, wasn't transferred to those principal executives that came and went over the years, and it it became a topic that was taboo and stigmatized and and simply not addressed. uh, and, And therefore, people failed to realize over the decades that there was more information the government knew Uh, is that does that potential possibility exist Uh, you know Perhaps yes. And I've always said I'm open to that kind of idea that in a way you're, you're reintroducing generations of people both inside the Pentagon and inside the U.S. government to this topic. There's something really to it uh, because they've grown up uh, under this impression that it, uh, there was no value to this other than entertainment. And it was uh, something not real. Uh, I know that sounds extraordinary. And people say, how could that possibly be? And I always tell people to do a little research or look up something called fog bank. That's a unclassified code word, uh, but fog bank is a substance that's classified. We don't know what it is, but it, it evidently is a critical component for nuclear weapons. All of the nuclear weapons uh, require fog bank, whatever it is. And if you do a little research, you'll, you'll see that it f- was a few years ago, uh, the government realized that they needed to upgrade uh, their fog bank that Perhaps it was, you know, had expired. They needed to you know, change out their fog bank, only to discover that uh, nobody knew how to make fog bank. Nobody knew exactly what it all entailed because this critical component to the deadliest weapons the world has ever known, um, everyone who had worked on that had either retired or was deceased, and nobody wrote any of these records down. Like, this was so, it was so secret and compartmentalized that they lost it. So this idea that some of the most highly classified, most secret aspects of the government can be so compartmentalized that they effectively lose that information over the years is not crazy. But, you know, at least we can see with Fog Bank, it has happened. You know, It did happen. So uh, I think that uh, it's probably a question that doesn't have a single answer. I think that I would say the vast majority of people are probably rediscovering it and have dismissed it for a very long time. I know people I've spoken to, both in the Pentagon or even you know active duty military personnel who have had their own sightings and stuff that have spoken to me. You know they typically always start with the same thing. Man, I didn't care about UFOs. I used to make fun of people that talked about it. up until a few years ago. (laughs) And then I started seeing stuff both internally and reading the stuff in the media. And all of a sudden, I'm like, holy cow, there really is something to this. Uh, I think that that, in my opinion, would represent the the greater majority of people that are even working on it now. Uh, But is this idea that you have other people who uh, the secret keepers, for for lack of a better term, who maybe are more intimately versed in it, who have not shared that information with their peers and greater public? Could that still indeed exist? Uh, sure, you know, absolutely. Uh, in in a weird way, I kind of hope that because it's a little disturbing to believe that you, you could have these events going on for decades and nobody care uh, because, you know, Certainly, perhaps the vast majority of these sightings now are not uh, a potential near-peer adversary like China or Russia. But if I'm China or Russia, I'm going to exploit that stigma to my advantage. I'm going to make things that look like UFOs to spy on you because we know that you're going to dismiss it. So if it hasn't been looked at for years, that's uh, that's concerning <laughs> you know, from a national security standpoint. So I think you know, it's a nuanced question. I can only comment on what... Uh, I'm aware of from people I've talked to, but I would say it's, it's a, perhaps a mix of both. But in my experience, a greater majority of people who dismissed the topic as not being real and therefore didn't, even when you had weird sightings, they were just like, ah, that's probably.
1: I want to ask you about the, the concern right before the bill of the AOIMSG which was a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible acronym. <laughs> All right, I don't know who got paid money for that, but they deserve to be fired, in my opinion. <laughs> but, but True. Tim, I was telling my audience, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, okay, but I was telling my audience, the way I viewed this entire thing was we were seeing the first public battle between the military-industrial complex and elected government officials and the laws that they wanted to create, all over UFOs. Now, a couple of media outlets like The Hill actually focused on this. And by the way, if you go to our website, we do have SORMSG t-shirts available. I will say that. Uh, Shameless plug right there. But nonetheless, Tim, was this the first real battle that we saw between the military-industrial complex publicly? And elected officials all over unidentified aerial phenomena.
2: Close. I think that it was the first public battle that we've seen between the defense community, defense and intelligence community.
5: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Amongst each other. And uh, I-, I, wrote, uh, I wrote something that wasn't for the debrief. Uh, in fact, it was the first UFO-related thing I've ever written for the Washington Examiner. Usually I cover the topics that our, our debrief re- readers wouldn't be interested in, like geopolitics and you know, what's Russia doing, what's, uh, what's going on in the world of war. Uh, but I- this was the first one I wrote that was specifically on UFOs. And what I said in that, and, and I do believe to be true, is you. There's far more competition and inner rivalries between agencies than people really realize. You know, uh, the the CIA thinks they're better than everybody else. The NSA and the CIA hate each other. Uh, you know, they they. They feud constantly, and in fact, the intelligence community considers only those who get their paychecks from the Director of National Intelligence, so those 19 agencies to be really in the IC, everybody else is not in the IC, and so the Department of Defense is separate from the intelligence community. And they feud constantly. And I, and I gave the example in the article of Project Gunman, which happened in the, in the early 1980s, where the NSA found uh, a uh, KGB receiver inside the Moscow embassy that was spying on all classified communications out of the embassy. It took five years after they discovered it before anything was done, simply because the, the CIA and the State Department didn't like the NSA, didn't want the NSA to uh, you know, one-up them, And, you know, down to the point where they even issued a formal cease and desist order telling the NSA to stop telling people that the embassy is compromised. It was, Dave. It was compromised. People lost their lives. CIA agents uh, or CIA spies, uh, Moscow spies, lost their lives because Moscow was spying on us. And the paramount concern here was not that. It was who's better than who and you're not going to want to be. And so I think when we saw this, uh, you know, like you said, horrific acronym office came out, Timing was not coincidental. I think this is suddenly you're seeing the interagency rivalries where they realize, okay, the lawmakers are going to make this a thing. Well, now who's going to control the UAP topic? Who's going to take control and ownership of it? Who's going to be the one who investigates it? Who has jurisdiction over it? And so I think that was the Department of Defense, uh, particularly the Undersecretary for Intelligence Office, kind of trying to get ahead of it and say, oh, well, we've already got an office, so uh, clearly we should be the ones in charge of this. And uh, that would mean it would exclude the Office Director of National Intelligence. So all the intelligence community components would have to either cooperate if they wanted to, but the people who would be in control was the DOD uh, the actual bill that was ultimately passed is kind of interesting. And if you really parse through the legal language, it it left the door open. and, And I have all reason to believe that this is going to happen. If not, if it hasn't already happened where you're going to have two parallel UAP offices, whether people realize or not, two offices got started one inside the department of defense, one inside the director of national intelligence. And so it's a really interesting dynamic. Sometimes these competitions can be good because, one doesn't want the other to embarrass them, and, and they don't want to find out more than the other. So there will be some rivalry there, but uh, that's actually exactly how uh, defense and intelligence matters are treated seriously. So you have these rivalries, whether it's terrorism, whether it's uh, you know spying on Russia or China, these same things. You know, the, the, One of the agencies has their priorities, but they don't want the other to one-up them, so they're constantly mistrusting of each other. Uh, so I truly believe that, that we seeing that uh, that office emerge at that timing was the DOD trying to exert their authority and saying, well, we're going to be the UAP experts for the government. Meanwhile, uh, that would exclude a lot of other components. And, and if you read that article, I think that that's problematic, too. I think that uh, we don't want the Department of Defense to control the entire narrative there because they're very limited in their scope and what they can investigate legally (laughs) they can't investigate stuff that happens over conus
1: was that the military industrial complex's shot at trying to keep the ufo pandora's box closed
2: i i honestly don't know i would say I I would say, in my opinion, it was their shot at wanting to be, uh, specifically the Department of Defense, wanting to control the UAP narrative. I'll say that, that that they wanted to be the ones that ultimately uh, was doing all the work and passing all the reports over. And what that would do is it would preclude any conflicting uh, assessment. So let's say the Department of Defense came out next year and said, we've assessed it and there's nothing to this. That would be their word and their word only but now uh, the way the language is read now and when and the good thing about having parallel competing offices so you've got the intelligence community competing against the dod is if the intelligence community comes out and says oh, that's bs we don't believe that and here's why we believe there is something to that then th- then that's when uh, the topic doesn't die on the vine you don't just have one voice inside of it and I think that that's important here because, again, the DOD is extremely limited in their legal authority and what they can and can't do. You know, if there, there's a sighting you know, in Kansas, uh, the DOD can't investigate, uh, you know, e- even if you thought it was foreign, that, that's something that falls into the FBI. So there's very limited scope in, in what uh, our Defense Department can do. It's a primarily our military forces are legally bound to primarily operate outside of the United States. And so uh, if you want to get any good handle on it, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have agencies that have authority and jurisdiction. You know, uh, the DOD can't come investigate your siding in Kansas, but Homeland Security can, the FBI can. uh, And and so I think it's a, good thing to see some of that competition and i think of the way that it shook out was good i think when you saw some of the criticisms and concerns expressed by people like christopher mellon or Lou elizondo i think what they were saying without saying was guys we don't want one office inside the department of defense in particular the Undersecretary for intelligence controlling this because frankly they're not equipped for it either they're an oversight office you know they oversee the intelligence collections they're not as operational as people think and uh they also had a huge hand in screwing up the afghan withdrawal so so it's there's a bad track record there and i think uh that was the concerns is we don't want this one particular office having the only say so in this
1: topic we got six and a half minutes here bud flying on by can we trust the United States government to bring forward any type of disclosure heading into 2022 and beyond?
2: Man, that's a tough one. I don't know. Uh, Again, man, I hate giving, I don't know answers. I will say that as long as it, uh, as long as the only information that they have presents itself as vulnerabilities to national security, So they're saying, hey, this is 100% real. I've got close images of of triangles emerging near nuclear facilities or or of uh, things penetrating uh, our airspace, and we can't do anything about it. We can't catch them. We can't do anything about it. Uh, The likelihood that they release that information is very slim to none. And so uh, in that regards, should we trust the U.S. government to release that kind of information? No. I think that people are setting themselves up for failure if they're trusting that. Um, Now, if it's not a vulnerability, if they're like, no, no, we know how to, how to shoo them away and all of this kind of stuff. And and we know that it's, it's not China. It's not Russia. It is something extremely uh, exotic. Um, Can we trust them to be honest and come forthcoming with that? I don't know. And, and, And I would say to some extent, perhaps not because, uh, you know governments and that's not just the US government any government exists by representing itself as the primary authority over a sovereign set of people in a nation and so this idea that you have a, anything else that's out there that they have zero control over uh, and zero authority over that that's a chink in the armor of a government's power you know that's how governments topple <laughs> you know they, and so <sighs> I don't know. I would say that you're much more likely in, in some of the scientific agencies like NASA or some of the private endeavors like the Galileo project or UAPX. You're much more likely to get that quote disclosure to the general public if you if you term that as people generally accepting there is something out here that is truly anomalous and is not cannot be attributed to misidentifications of swamp gas, stars, and secret airplanes. Um, that will probably come not from the government, frankly.
1: That's where it gets interesting, my friend. So heading into 2022, Mm -hmm. as we look into it, are we going to hear more extraterrestrial talk? Are we going to be getting more videos or are the days of videos done after what happened with the last three that came out? I mean, where are we going with this?
2: I don't know. There's an interesting dynamic there, especially let's just talk about the videos or evidence. There is, um, you know, there's no apparatus in place in the United States government to classify something just because it's unknown. So there's this weird legal dynamic that I think is going on in general counsel's offices, especially with FOIA requests and whatnot is, is can we legally withhold this and, and how can we legally withhold it type thing? Um, Outside of that, you know, obviously we saw it in 2021 uh, with Jeremy Corbell. You have leaks of things. Uh, To a certain extent, you could say that the original three videos were leaked because they weren't officially released for public consumption. Could you have more leaks? I I would say the potential for that is much higher now because you have so many people talking about it, and you have a lot of people who, the ones who are actually capturing the data, so the pilots that are out there, those are the ones who, if they hear uh, there's nothing to this or they feel like it's being downplayed. That that's how leaks happen. You know, leaks leaks exist in government as a as a political tool as well. So when you have competing fractions like I talked about, sometimes leaks are strategically put out there because one fraction may be saying there's nothing to it and another one wants to try to get it out there to the public. No, there is something to this. So the potential for bigger leaks, I think, is 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 significant. Will we see that or not? I don't know. You know I don't know. I hope so.
1: <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting because moving forward here, as we say goodbye to 2021 20, and going to 2022, will UFOs slash UAP remain a hot-button topic? Or now that the budget is passed until the the government's formation of the new task force, are we in another big quiet lull for a number of months?
2: probably i'm um, just because government doesn't move fast again i think that uh you'll see uh you know you if anybody looks at the last couple of years they always work on a fairly consistent kind of pattern which is you you get uh you'll get a lot of information and things kind of rile up in the late spring early summer and then in the fall and those always coincide with when Laws are made. So when the new fiscal year budget's being formed and everything, again, this is not something that's just limited to UAP. You see this in politics. You see it in everything else. When somebody feels like this is something that needs to uh, be out there and needs to be legislated, information, uh, the information campaigns to make it important come out. Uh, The government itself works very, very, very slowly. And so it's hard to predict would you see anything officially from the government side I think uh in regards to that no there'll probably be a lull but uh, I I said it earlier in the show if there's anything I've learned it's that this topic is paranormal and that uh, everything that I think would happen it seems to happen completely opposite so you know Christmas day the 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 treasure trove of videos could be coming out <laughs> you know just because I said I didn't think it would
1: and finally, our, as we got about 40 seconds left, are we going to go back into the whole threat narrative now that the budget is passed, or, or is the threat narrative done?
2: Um, I don't know. I think people place too much emphasis on the threat narrative being a negative thing. I I see it from the perspective of the Department of Defense or the the intelligence community and that is, if you have something that's unknown and it's operating your airspace, it always has threat potential. I think the potential aspect is what gets left off. And so it's the unknown that's really threatening. And so for me personally, when I hear the threat narrative, I don't take that as people believe that this is visiting aliens and they're threatening us. It's rather the fact that we don't know what it is or that we're saying it's unknown that is a potential threat uh and if you have no means of control or whatever it, it can be aliens i've said this it, it can be aliens but uh, you know if one can do it why well, can't more
1: tim mcmillan from the org. a great show the year of the ufo 2021 coming to a close coming up next we're gonna to head to Vancouver, hook up with the shift, go right across Canada with Shane Hewitt, talk some UAP. We'll be back right after this. Great show, buddy.
2: Yeah, man. That was fun. Great show. Yeah.
1: That was right. a lot of a lot of topics. Give me one second, there's Vancouver right there. Hey guys, just coming out of a break here. Okay, good. All right, I'll be on hold. But uh, sorry, let me turn Vancouver down here. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, it's been a busy mm-hmm. year, man. Busy friggin Maybe. year.
2: I wouldn't have expected it to be as busy as it was, so that's why I said it's hard to it's hard to predict what22 holds, man. Uh, who knows? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting
1: we literally nailed about 15 16 key topics tonight if not more dude it was fun man
2: great great questions from you always great questions from the audience man i think it's 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 fun this is fun and uh yeah, if nothing else if people get to see man I'm, I'm i'm on for the ride to an extent as well man i wish i knew <laughs> you know i know people think that i know i hear all the time how i'm part of this somehow and i'm like dude i wish i knew I'm, I'm as excited as anybody else when something new comes out.
1: <laughs> oh, tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. And its uh, I think it's going to get very interesting indeed with what, what comes up here in 2022. Uh, stay vigilant, my friend. Stay vigilant. I certainly
2: will. It, it's not going away, and, and that's impressive. So I think it will only increase, whether it's 2022, 2023, who knows. But I think uh, if nothing else, we're in for a ride.
1: <laughs> True. Are you are you available in about an hour?
2: Yeah yeah yeah, just give me a shout. Just just uh yeah, text me or give me a call. I yeah, should be free, dude.
1: Okay, I'll call you on Signal. Appreciate you, my friend. All right man. Thank you for All a right, great show. The show. I man. appreciate you.
2: Uh, anytime, dude. Take Talk care, to you right. later.
1: Bye-bye. Love Tim McMillan. Love Tim McMillan. Hey ambassador, how you doing? Welcome. Hey gfgfgfgfgfgfgfg. How you doing, buddy? Ian McFadden, good morning to you. I know we didn't go into a a deep amount of conversation. There was just so much that happened in 2021, man, that we just couldn't fit it all in there. Uh, We would have been here for an entire week, which maybe would have been a good idea. But uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, that show, man. I'm pretty happy with tonight. I think we nailed a lot of interesting topics. And uh, yes, Ross, I know you got aliens, man. Now go get the t-shirt at our store, space.radio.com. Cheap, cheap plug for me there. Uh, I know, I, I Gong Show, it, it's not me, man. I don't think so. It's probably YouTube. Oh, Shane's back on the air. Yeah, that, thank you, Advocate for UFO Disclosure. Really appreciate that. I think we do have some blue shirts there. You get to choose. Markham, where are you now? Oh, Pix, I'm a Lou fan. Don't kid yourself. I am I am a Lou fan. But in, in the day... De- hey, Taywaz, where have you been hiding? I haven't seen you forever. Uh, but Pix, uh, I have... Uh, um, somebody like Lou, and I've said this to him, and I've said this to Sean Cahill and his other friends... You can't let them off the hook. And too many people in the UFO community have let them off the hook with a lot of juicy questions. Uh, Jordan Ashley Pettit, I am great. Outside of being cold, well, I'm warm tonight, but it is cold outside. Otherwise, I'm great. Um, I will explain, uh, uh, picks if you stick around after the show, I promise you I'll give you a better answer on that, okay? So uh, we remind me, ask me that question again. After the show, and we'll get to it. I want to say a big thank you to Third Phase, G West times two, Naive Essence, Mennonite Abe, Walker, Thomas, and Flash Forward for the amazing super chats tonight. You guys have been absolutely awesome. And uh, the bluish gray thing ball, that is a big ball of soda light right there. And uh, we're 25 seconds, and so we're going to be joining the shift in Vancouver and uh, talk some UFOs, UAP, and kind of go from there, and uh, let's have some fun. So we're going to come back here in a couple of seconds. Rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. Want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you: rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky news Newswire. check out our swag as well. Follow us on social media: Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram. At Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. This is the time of the month we love when we join up with Shane Hewitt on The Shift on the Chorus Radio Network, go right across Canada to talk some UFOs. Big bad Shane, how are you?
3: Tune in, Dave.
1: How are you, Shane? Can you hear me? I can. Merry Christmas
3: to you, my friend.
1: Thank you. You too. How's the winter beard coming along?
3: Uh, it's very long. It's very white, and uh, it's possible it only has a week or two left of existence. So I don't know, Um, because it's, uh, you know, once I fulfill my my duties on the elf board, uh, you know, um, in contributing to Santa Claus's work, then uh, it's time for the beard to go away. So unless I have other things to do with it, like wear plaid and chop down trees, I I think it's time for it to uh, probably go away.
5: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kinda like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun
1: ever at chumbacasino.com.
5: No purchase necessary, VTW group void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, eighteen plus. Um which just a little bit sad, I suppose.
1: Too too cold up here to cut down trees now, my friend. Way too cold.
3: Yeah. Dave Scott's in northern BC. Space.radio.com is his website for everybody else. Take us to the space, Dave. I want to know what's going on in the world of the UFOs and the UFOs and all things Dave Scott. Where are we going today?
1: My goodness. We're going to start off with a post that I found earlier today out of New York City. How would you like to work for a company that is looking into UFOs? Well, fun. fine. This company called Enigma Labs out of New York City is a first data media community platform that is establishing a platform about advancing the public's understanding of UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, and securely connecting private UAP experts to each other and UAP enthusiasts. Now, the job posting, which has been posted on a number of job sites in the U.S., doesn't really understand, I don't think, that you can do this on YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, (laughs) other social media platforms that people have already perfected. And they are looking for a head of community and social media working closely with the head of content and head of growth to prepare our consumer launch, engage with our community across Twitter, Reddit, Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms. And they are also looking for a director of communications who can talk UFOs. Now... I don't know if any of us Canadians can do it unless we have dual citizenship or Bonnie Henry actually lets us out of the province this year or next. But this is interesting. Job postings now about looking into UFOs. I haven't seen it until I believed it. Or I didn't believe it till I saw it, my friend. And now I've seen it.
3: Well, did you apply?
1: <laughs> I thought about it. I really did think about it, and I don't know. I think this is maybe one of these startups that really wants to try and get ahead of the game, but maybe doesn't have the understanding of the topic. It's very vague. There's not much on their website regarding. It might even be a hoax. I don't know. But I'm willing, if they'll accept a a good old uh, white-haired Canadian guy, I may do it. Or if the Canadian government would like to buy me out of this show so that way i can join the ufo desk somewhere in the back halls of you know somewhere in ottawa who knows i might be available for that too
3: that's fantastic well i think you should go for i mean I, i guess you don't really know if it's gonna if it's a hoax or not i mean it seems way too silly almost convenient for it to be a thing but yeah, well, what if it is? I mean, that's probably a good sign, isn't it, that they're trying to go mainstream on a, on a job like that?
1: Well, I think it is, but, I mean, the question is, who isn't already covering it? The government isn't giving up much information in the United States, all right? Nobody uh, or anybody who is covering this topic already has social media platforms, some as small as a couple hundred, some as big as a few hundred thousand to a couple million. So I don't know how a startup company is all of a sudden going to try and figure out how to capitalize on the UAP vision of social media when it's already quite healthy and established.
3: Well, that that part doesn't make sense. Uh, a little late to the game, maybe that might be a nice way to say it.
1: A lot late, like four years late to the game.
3: Yeah. If not, that might be, I think you might be conservative on your estimate right there. Um, but still good, I guess, when it feels like it's kind of going mainstream and people are talking about it. So not terrible news there. What about, um, what else is going on in the UFO world since uh, we're not applying for this job now, me and you? I know. Because there is there is some new news about, you know, these, I don't know, organizations to pay attention to the things.
1: Well, you know you know what's happened is, within the last two weeks, we have seen the United States government get their uh, defense budget passed for 2022, and that includes setting up a brand new task force to specifically put U.S. taxpayer dollars into researching UFOs. Now, the downside of this is, unless it's national security, which about 99% will be, we're not going to see as the public anything. But many in the UFO community are calling this a victory right now because it's official that UFOs are going to be researched in the United States by both the military, the alphabet agencies, and the public watchdog that they will create over this. The interesting part about it is, I have heard anywhere from a a few million to up to $1 billion in funding that this is going to go and this is going to receive in order to, to make this a substantial interest in finding out what is traveling in American airspace. Now, is it a threat narrative? We don't know. Where are these craft coming from? Well, right now we don't know, but... I don't think we're going to get any secrets like what happened at Roswell. Do we have alien bodies? Is there crash retrievals? That seems to be a hot-button topic right now, which the U.S. government may come out with in 2022 at some time. We don't know. Everything is so speculative. But the main thing is the UFO community is really calling out a victory for this legislation that passed, considering that to finally get UFOs, on the hot-button topic of the defense budget, which was increased by, I believe, a trillion dollars or close to it, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we're finally looking into UFOs. Does this mean that disclosure has officially happened? Or is it been just looked at as finally confirmed after all the people who wore tinfoil hats for the last 70 years have been put down and ostracized? This was a big win for the UFO community.
3: Well, isn't that one of those sort of backhanded ways of saying, uh, yeah, they're totally there because there's now a department to to do that. Like, right? Like, isn't that nothing but good news? Even though we might not get the insights, because to me, that's kind of like saying, you know, clearly that's that's a real thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the victory. That's the victory that we are taking. Okay, because. You know, look, we may not agree with everything that's on there, but you have to realize, too, that there was a little bit of a of a public fight that many in the mainstream media did not conclude with, Shane. And, and what that was is you saw the military try to pass their own uh, security area for UFOs, saying to the elected officials down there, don't worry about this, we got this covered, and don't worry, we're not going to pass any information over to you unless we desperately need to. But we've got it covered. You don't need to pass this bill publicly. Uh, We'll take care of this. This is the military and alphabet agencies' job to protect America. We're going to do that. And you little elected peons who know nothing about what we do don't really have to delve into this. Well, the elected officials came back and said, actually, we do. Actually, we have a right to know. And actually, we will create the laws for this country, not the military. And this is where it got a little bit sticky. But the elected officials in hand actually won this battle, which means that UFOs are now in the public eye. I mean, if that isn't a victory, I don't know what is. The question that's going to come next is, how does the major public react to this? A lot of people will speculate that it's a waste of a billion dollars because UFOs don't exist. The religious community will come out and say, why are we investigating such evil things and wasting money on it when we've got to put our hands in the, in the faith of God? The, the skeptics are going to say, well, this money is obviously going to be uh, going to other hidden black projects that we don't know about, and they're just covering it up with UFOs. So there's going to be great debate going forward. Are they hiring like the other group? No? Anybody? Yeah. Nothing? Not that I know of. Not that yeah. I know of. The interesting part, though, Shane, on a Canadian perspective on this, is how silent Ottawa continues to be. This this is absolutely amazing at how silent Ottawa continues to be on this subject. I am hearing rumblings that there are certain parties behind the scenes that are really trying to conduct... Investigative uh, research on this topic, but nothing that they are ready to go public with. And I don't understand what the holdup is with this. And you and I have talked and you've heard me whine and complain about the Canadian media not doing their job regarding this topic. So I'll save that for next year when we're back on with you in January. But The idea that this topic is still silent in Ottawa is baffling. And it really makes me wonder how much pull does NORAD really have, especially the United States government, when it comes to Canadian air defense and whether or not they are shutting up the Canadian government and say, look, we'll take care of this. You guys just continue to send us the reports that we need. And you know what? You don't worry about speaking about this. You don't have to. You know, I realize during these COVID times and and it's Christmas time and the other financial times that's going on, you know, inflation hasn't been higher in 40 years since the last Trudeau was in government. I mean, let's face it, we're in for some tough times here right now, especially in British Columbia with the flooding and everything that happened. This may not be a hot-button topic, but I want your, your public to remember going into the Christmas break that UFOs, whether you believe in them or not, they are here, and this is a subject that will affect every single person.
4: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
5: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at
0: LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: In Canada, the United States, and on this planet, we just don't know how it's going to affect us just yet.
3: Yeah, I also believe in atoms. I can't see those either. Um, I think you set your expectations way too high because, I mean, to all the things that you said, the federal government can't figure those things out. So, why in the world do you think that they would figure out UFOs? So, uh, you know, I, th- that to me is is kind of a strange one. I mean, I get totally agree with your point, but I, you know, I think you expect more out of the government than maybe I uh, cynically uh, don't. Now, 2021 was a very busy uh, sort of. A special year on Space out radio because of the unique year that it was you guys got into some of the more paranormal things over the course here i wonder if you could pick off dave just like we've only got like two minutes but if you could pick off a couple of moments that really stand out for you from 2021 on Space out radio and some of the fun topics that
1: you guys talk about the biggest one was you heard me use the name luis elizondo the guy who used to run the alien program or the ufo program at the pentagon before going public and We interviewed him back in February, and about 26 minutes into the show, I asked him point blank, has Luis Elizondo the person ever seen come face-to-face with aliens? And he kind of dodged around, well, what is an alien? And I said, I reformed the question and said, well, how about big black eyes, gray head, about four and a half feet tall? And he started snickering, and he goes, well... I've seen some very interesting things. And you know, Shane, as journalists, part of our job that we are trained for is to read between the lines. And if you listen to that statement and the way he holds it, I think he admitted on our show that he has actually been face-to-face with extraterrestrials. And that was a big moment for us. This year, another big moment for me was listening to a good friend of this show, a gentleman named Nelson Dellis, who is the five-time U.S. memory and memorizing things champion. Where he uh, he got a hold of us from uh, just after he got back from Mount Everest, where he was trying to summit for the fifth time or fourth time and he missed out, because his body just will not let him get to that seventh and final peak, and listening to the emotion in his voice, talking about things like that, was fantastic as well, plus, you know, we've had so many experiencers on this show, where telling their own personal stories of everything from alien contact, to Sasquatch, and and paranormal stories, you know, it, it's been a real interesting year of feeling, and trying to get to know people, and our show, thanks to you and others and our great audience on our side, has really grown because of it. So it's been an interesting, wild year, man.
3: Interesting and wild, as always, on Spaced Out Radio, Dave Scott. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, to all your listeners. Uh, thanks for welcoming us, I, you folks, into your world every now and then through the course of the year. I appreciate it, buddy.
1: Always appreciate you, Shane, and Merry Christmas to all of your listeners across Canada as well. Take care. All right, let's get to Shirky-Poo's news. Starting off a little heartbroken here. Why? Well, let me tell you. Thanks to the Transformer Omicron, the NHL has just announced that they are not going to the Olympics in China. They have officially withdrawn from competing and that's because the recent positive COVID-19 cases has shut down 10 of the league's 32 teams. According to the report, the NHL told the Players Association that it was retaining its right to decide against Olympic participation because there was a material disruption to the season. There was apparently was fear for the 82-game schedule that it could not be completed once again. The NHL had until January 10th to opt out of participating, but... It looks like they are ready to make a decision. So once again, guaranteed Canada will not win gold this year because the idiot who runs Hockey Canada, he's more about, you know, getting there. He doesn't care if we play sixth. He doesn't care if we place eighth or win a bronze medal. No, no, he's all about whether or not the players have fun wearing the maple leaf at the Olympics. Yes. Can you see hear my disgruntled voice on this? We had a gold medal coming. We had one. Connor McDavid. Oh, Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, this was going to be a power team. And all for naught now. All for naught. A Texas resident shared security camera footage identifying a thief who stole a 10-pound package from their porch. Who was it? The neighborhood dog. Willie Mills of Lubbock posted a video showing the pooch pirate struggling to carry the heavy box, which Mills said contained milk bone dog treats. The post said the dog only took the milk bone box, leaving several others behind. Yeah, one commentator on the post named Becca identified the canine in the video as her husky named Kit Kat. She wrote that Kit Kat had escaped from her fenced-in yard about a quarter mile from the mill's home. Elder said Kit Kat was found later in the day, but she had no idea the dog had been a thieving dog. She showed no signs of having eaten anything and happily ate her dinner that night. I had no idea of the thievery until I saw the videos. Terrible dog. Bad dog. All right. A Minnesota park has scaled back Christmas decorations this year, and members of the nonprofit that maintains the park said fat squirrels are to blame. Leanne Laboire, co-chair of the Friends of Mears Park, said the annual holiday display in the St. Paul Park had to be cut back this year when vendors refused to hang strings of lights that had been damaged by squirrels in previous years. Our vendors reuses the lights, and they can't afford to put those lights up only to have the squirrels rip them apart. I don't blame them, said Labore. Labore said that the wires are covered with polylactic acid and corn syrup derivative that the squirrels apparently find irresistible. The Friends of the Mears Park said in a Facebook post that signs have been posted in all four corners of the park informing visitors of city ordinances banning the feeding of wildlife, but that was not discouraged some visitors from giving food to the animals. I have watched people with food in their hand and they try and get squirrels to jump up and take it. Labore said they try and lead them around the park. One guy was even trying to get one to jump on him. It's a little disturbing. Yeah, this year's holiday display projected images of snowflakes and lights placed at the base of birch trees. Labore, whose condo overlooks the park, said some of the neighbors have complained about the changes to this year's display, but they can't do anything about it because of the damn squirrels. And finally, Skeptical Inquirer has released the name of the boy who was the demon-possessed child... In the real story that went behind the movie 1973 horror classic, The Exorcist, never named before, only known as Roland Doe, the man's name is Roland Edward Hunkler, he died last year, a month before his 86th birthday, after suffering a stroke at his Maryland home. In adult life, Hunkeler was a NASA engineer who contributed to the Apollo space missions of the 1960s and who patented technology that helped space shuttle panels withstand extreme heat. Yet this was the man who was responsible for the Exorcist. How weird is that? One of his companions, a 29-year-old woman who asked not to be named, told the New York Post that Hunkler was always on edge about his NASA colleagues discovering that he was the inspiration for The Exorcist. On Halloween, we always left the house because he figured someone would come to his residence and know where he lived and never let him have peace. He had a terrible life from worry to worry to worry. Hunkler eventually retired from NASA in 2001 after working for the agency for nearly 40 years. William Peter Blatty, who wrote the 1971 novel and the film based on the same name, first heard about Hunkler's apparent demonic possession when he was a senior at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Wow. Imagine that. All right, big thank you tonight to everybody who tuned us on in. A big thank you to Captain Shirkypoo for an amazing news. And, of course, to Shane from Chorus, Shane Hewitt, and The Shift for bringing us on air right across Canada. And, of course, our feature guest tonight, Tim McMillan from thedebrief.org. we got Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Ball rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bubblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show get your horns up for the guitar god himself special thanks to everybody listening in at home at work in your cars wherever you may be thank you to everyone watching us on youtube twitch lgab revolution radio spreaker facebook the space travelers club and on twitter at hashtag spaced Out radio Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home.